0: If you've already downloaded the Kingdom and Context app. A lot of fun features, articles. Uh, we put out, try to put out new articles every week. You're going to get notified of actually when we go live as well as other videos we put out. Um, it's free. You can go to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and you can download it. It's our Kingdom and Context app. And we actually have a fellowship finder, as you saw in the advert just then. And you have uh, lots of people all across the United States as well as many other countries that uh, you can look for for fellowship, connect with. Um, we're adding new features to the app on a regular basis. We, our latest new feature we just added is you can actually reply to comments on the announcement board or on the news, on the uh, the scripture articles. So hopefully you guys can get some fellowship and engage a little bit over there. And it won't be like any, you know, Facebook concepts where you have to worry about um, getting banned for sand stuff. Obviously, we want you to uh, we do have a list of um, of things that are not allowed as far as, you know, swearing and cursing. But um, you can still engage in good scriptural loving conversation with others and that's also what we hope to let you watch happen tonight so i want to thank everyone that's here for this live broadcast Um, we're going to bring our guest on shortly i just want to say big hello thank you to all the moderators in the live chat as well as a hello to everyone else that's joining the live chat looks like we already have about 143 people in the live chat right now it always seems to grow within the first 10 to 20 minutes of the broadcast but uh, thank you all moderators for keeping the chat loving and peaceful tonight um And guys, just as a general reminder, in case you missed it in the past, our channel, we have uh, filters that we put into our channel in our studio and YouTube. And we have the filter set where there's no swearing or cursing as well as no outside third-party website links. So if you're trying to drop a comment that has some other website in it, we we have that automatically filtered out and your comment won't show up. Okay. So um, thank you guys so much for, uh, for having a good lively time in the chat, we already got a poll going in the chat, so you guys are welcome to participate in that and see if tonight's broadcasts changes your mind or affirms your initial thoughts. So go check out the poll in the live chat. And without further ado, we're going to bring in our brother Sean Murphy. Sean, Hello. welcome.
1: Hi, Sean. Hey there. Welcome.
0: Thanks for joining me tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm going to turn my volume up here real quick. Okay.
0: Hey, um, so Sean, you are back to the original gospel with Sean Murphy. That's the name of your YouTube channel. Is that right? Mm -hmm, Right. All right. And we wanted to have you on tonight. Um, I think this has been a couple years in the works because uh, you are Trinitarian. Is that correct?
1: That's not correct.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, you're welcome to share with me because we're going to be talking about um, the idea of the trinity there's different versions of it whether it's classical or modalism sometimes modalism mm-hmm. is referred to as oneness and so right that, to my understanding of oneness it usually falls into the definition of uh believing that god showed up in the old testament in various places and then um as far as he was one of the angels like jesus showed up as one of the angels and then he showed up later through the womb of mary but that may not be exactly what you believe so i'm gonna i'll let you explain a little bit sure. what your thoughts are
1: on that sure absolutely so, yeah, I try to avoid uh, labels and uh, theological terms. I, I've watched a little bit of what you've written out there. I think you'd, you'd agree. Uh, sometimes we lose the truth in theology. And uh, one of the things I like to say is that, uh, you know, theology, sometimes people will go to Bible, sc- Bible school or Bible college and spend years so they can learn theological terms that somehow explain away the obvious truths of Scripture. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I wouldn't label myself as a Trinitarian. Um, I do believe there's only one God, although I do see, uh, a Trinity of revelation, if you will, but I could even go beyond that and say, I see more than even three ways that God reveals himself. I see many ways. And so I think God has revealed himself through many forms and in many ways, um, I, I see a distinction within scripture with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't confuse the terms, but at the same time, I don't believe that they are three separate beings. I don't believe in three gods. I believe in uh, one God, you know, the foundational uh, statement of, you know, hero Israel, the Lord, or Yahuwah, our God is one, Yahuwah. And so, you know, I it's one God. And so I'm not, uh, yeah, I try to avoid the labels. And hopefully as we go through, I'll just kind of explain my Position. Uh Well, I could just kind of dive into it. Or...
0: Sure. Yeah. If you've got a, you know, okay. a nice, succinct way of explaining what you feel or what you believe in this topic, you're welcome to share.
1: Sure. Sure. And, you know, I guess one of the things before we just jump into it, I got, you know, I, I messaged you. I don't know if you saw the message. I was like, are you sure that you think we can cover two topic, topics in the same discussion? Because these are really broad topics, um, you know, about whether we're not, or in the new covenant, and then also the deity, and we could probably do two or three shows on each one of those. But uh, uh I guess I well, could from what we go into from one, what you of and and, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead.
0: From what you've described to me in the past, I feel like these are all related in your mind. So it uh-huh. might be we'll see, we can see how much we can accomplish in tonight's broadcast. Yeah, I don't sure. want to rush you. Um, you've seen us go for quite some time in the past, but at the same time, I know we talked beforehand trying to keep it around 90 minutes, but, uh, if we go over that, that's, that's okay. So just, uh, yeah, you're welcome to share what you believe on the topic.
1: I, I will do my best to bring, I guess I'll bring a succinct, uh, as, as much as I can on both topics. Uh, I'll go ahead and do one on the deity of Yeshua, and then I'll go ahead and do one with the new covenant. So. It might take a few minutes. I don't know. Do you have an idea of time frame you, you know, I want to, well, let's, I try to, what I want to
0: encourage, like I said earlier, I want to encourage that we keep this conversational. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Respectfully, I didn't bring you on to preach to the audience tonight, Uh um, but I I brought us on for a conversation. So um, also real quick, is there, I think your camera is slipping and it's starting to like slowly more. Am I going sideways there? Yeah. Showing the okay. roof of your car and not and your face is going out of view. That's even worse, actually. So if you, there you go. You can pull it down. Right. There you go.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I just I'm want the my...
0: people to see you, not just your
1: forehead. Right. Unfortunately, I'm in my truck. I having trouble streaming from my house, and so okay. until I get uh, internet thing fixed, I'll probably I, I have to do definitely this. Definitely
0: appreciate so. you taking a moment to to chat with us. So just real quick, you said you believed in one God. Do you believe in uh, the Father? And the son, or you just believe there's one entity?
1: I believe in one entity who has. You
0: don't believe God has a son?
1: Revealed Himself in three ways, and so oh, okay. I see the son as a uh, as a term of human understanding. And so, so just to go into the kind of the description of that, how I would describe that is: um, Do I believe that God has had a son? In the uh, physical, traditional usage of the word son. In other words, did he have sexual relations and procreate and have a baby boy? Um, I would say no to that. Do I believe in the son as uh, as scripture reveals it? Yes, I do. And so, you know, going into what the word son means, we, we have to see... I believe that's a term of human relation because I think it's obvious. I think hopefully to most of us that God did not procreate a son, have a sperm, and 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 birth a son. So, son is a term that we use, but not necessarily that he was birthed. Does that make sense? Um, okay. So, so for example, like with
0: Yeshua of Nazareth, you you do believe that he was born through the womb of a woman? Do you believe that he was? Is that a true statement? Do you believe he was born to yeah, Mary? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And you, do you believe that the, like Matthew 1 talks about the Holy Spirit overshadowed him and, and he was born um, miraculously without Mary and Joseph cod, conjugating?
1: Right. Totally. You, totally. you do believe
0: that she was a virgin when she gave birth to Yeshua? Yes, I do. But you just, like, yeah. So I would agree with you. The Bible doesn't teach us that God uh, came in a physical body and impregnated Mary, but it was more, more like uh, creating. The, the seed of, of Yeshua being birthed as a, as a human in the womb of Mary without right. sex, similar to how he, he created Adam uh, from the dirt, dirt of the earth uh, without sex. Right.
1: That's right. So. so he was born on the earth. And I think you would agree with me. I've, I've looked at a few of your videos um, that he pre existed that. So, um,
2: yeah,
1: right. So we believe he pre existed. So it wasn't that he came into existence at the time of the incarnation, but rather that he came into existence for the first time as a human being. In other words, he didn't have that human body before that, but then he was brought into this world, born of a virgin. And, uh, and, and there is the, and there's, and there's why we would probably relate, call him son, because of the, the human birth that he had, but he existed before that. So,
0: do you believe, since we both believe he existed before he was born through the womb of a woman on the earth, and he existed with the Father in heaven, do you believe that he was the Son of of Yahweh while in heaven?
1: Yeah, I do. I believe okay. that that. Well, you know, we could call him the Word. Um, you know, John one one. I'm sure you're extremely familiar with. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, all things were made by Him. So that we know that from that we can go all the way back to um, really as far as any. As far back as we could possibly see, because I think, you know, in the beginning takes us to before creation and we don't see there that Yeshua is created. We simply see that he is in existence in the beginning and he's called the word. And okay, so yeah, I, no
0: problem with uh, the descriptive phrase in yeah. John 1.1. 1, 1. Right. Do you believe he actually had a like a do you? Well, let me ask you this. So are you? Um, are you sure? Because you, you said you believe God is uh, is one God, but um, right. reveals Himself in three ways. That's what you said. That's right. Okay. So do you believe that Yahweh is the Father? Yes. Revealing Himself in, in the Father.
1: And and I believe that the Son is also called Yahweh or Yodebabe. Okay. So, so I mm, see. Okay. So if I separate that too much, now I've got two entities. Okay. And uh, so what does, the does that look like, like in heaven? Be, we would have more than one God. So,
0: okay. What, so what does, does that look, look like? I like had before.
1: Yeah. Honestly, before he was born of Mary. Uh, I don't, as far as I know, the scriptures, and I'm a real stick with the scripture guy. Okay. So, we can go into, you're not going to hear words like, you know, co um, equal, hypostatic union, or things like that from okay. me. I'm, I'm just going to stick That's with fine. scripture. So, um, as I look at the scripture, honestly, I don't know that I really see. The revelation of what it looked like before the incarnation, I do believe that we see the Son or the Word come down to Earth, acting as an agent or an agency for the Father. Okay, and that uh, he, I, I, you know, you may disagree with some of these appearances, but I believe that, like when we're going to the burning bush, or the angel of the Lord, or the Captain of the Lord's Host, and those kind of things, I, I personally believe that those were, uh, you know, pre incarnate appearances of of him. So, uh, I would express, well, that's,
0: that's like, so you're saying, um, you're saying Yahweh took the form of, of a, of a spiritual angel servant and came down in, in the, the burning bush moment. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I do. Okay. Right. So in a, in a sense, you're saying like, you do believe that, 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 um, the father and the son before the son became a man on the earth, that he existed with the father in heaven and they both, but you, but you struggle to actually say they both have a body because then it starts to separate them into personhood. Is that right?
1: Well, uh, well, even beyond that, you know, the the basic uh, definition of God is God is spirit. And uh, does God that? have, what's that?
0: I said, what is that? What is spirit? What does the Bible yeah. define as spirit?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. A living being, right?
0: Um, that, that is. What does that look like? Does it look like this on on the screen here? Look like in Isaiah chapter six, on the in the first verse. In that year, King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The right. train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, in
1: other words, was there something physical he saw? Is what you're saying? I think.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying that it seems to say in this verse that um, the Father had a body yeah and he's called the lord of spirits
1: in right. Scripture. what what do spirits look like without bodies um you know i don't think any of us are real you know that those things are kind of mysterious to us you know what i'm saying because we're in this this physical world this dimension of physical and then we can talk about the spiritual you know even paul talks about how there's bodies fleshy bodies terrestrial there's earthly and there's heavenly and he, he gives so, example of planting grain and you don't know what kind of grain it'll be in the resurrection. There's a spiritual body and a natural body. Uh, honestly, like, I think sometimes when we speculate on some of these things, it's beyond the scope of what scripture describes. And so we start throwing in our um, our two cents of opinion on it. And so um, well, I do believe he can take, I, I believe he has many times revealed himself. Um, we, we have the statement that, no man can see him and live. And so based on what we read about uh, yod heh vav in the scriptures, we see that um, you know no man has seen God at any time. Uh, if we were to see him in his full glory, as he talked to Moses about, uh, we would die in this body. And so whenever that he appears to somebody in the Tanakh or the Brit, we, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, for those that don't know what that means, we, we know that he must not be in that full form that he exists in. In other words, he has come in a form that we could relate and not die.
0: So you're saying that, though, under the guise or under the premise, under the presupposition that that it was not an angel who's, who's called a ministering servant created by, by God, but instead it was a version of God himself who came down That's in right. the Exodus 3 burning bush. Is that what you're saying?
1: that's right that's right
0: okay okay so what a, so like are you saying like is that the only example in the old testament or you also mentioned joshua 5 are you thinking there's lots of examples in the old testament where it says an angel showed up that you think was actually god instead of right an angel?
1: well you know the angel of the lord i mean he talked about uh he talks about how the law was administered by uh, at the hands of angels or or maybe angel could also be the reading in aramaic because you would have a different uh plural or singular may not be uh, discernible in Aramaic. And so the uh, ministered at the hand of the angel, I believe that he is the one that made the covenant. I believe he made all the covenants. And so I believe he would be the one in Genesis 15, uh, 17. I'm having that reference, right? uh, With the uh, pieces and the the burning uh, furnace and the lamp. Uh, I believe that he's the one that made the covenant with Noah. I believe that he is the one who hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter one. I believe that uh, no man's seen him or seen his shape or heard his voice at any time. The son that is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. And so I believe that the only version of yod Vavhe that any man's ever seen is Yeshua. Um, he may send angels also. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying every time we see an angel, it's him. But I do believe that at the making of the covenants, when we see the conversation going and he's saying, I am, you know, Yodei Vahe, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt, um, you know, revealing himself that, that that is Yeshua, the God that we can be in contact with and live
0: Okay. What do you think the angels do then? If it's, if it's God showing up so often.
1: Uh, I think he, he, I think he showed up for the very important uh, events. You know, I, okay. I, I would hope that if we're going to have a marriage, he wouldn't have someone standing there in proxy. Come on. You gotta laugh at that.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So you're, you also uh, take to the marriage idea, right? Is that you're thinking that, um, well, I'll let you, I'll let you kind of expound on that. Uh, if you like, because you mentioned Genesis fifteen earlier, but that wasn't the first time that that Yahweh spoke to Abraham and promised him anything out of sure, covenant promise. Sure. So right. you go back to Genesis twelve, and honestly, if you if you go into Jubilees fourteen, excuse me, Jubilees eleven, you go all the way back to Abraham right. when his fourteen. So now, years if you old. start
1: using the Plato um books, I'm I'm not familiar with them, and and I don't consider them scripture, so I will be a little bit. It's kind of non-applicable for me. So if you don't mind during the conversation, if we maybe could avoid those
2: uh, and stick okay. to what
1: me and you both agree well, with scripture. I'm not saying that to be rude. Yeah. I'm just saying that as you're yeah. using these
2: references, well, at the same and I time
0: don't even read them. I, okay, that's fine. I, I won't good. expect I won't quiz you on them. I won't expect it Okay, same time again, all right. We here on this channel do teach that they are scripture. We spend a lot of time showing people um, the historicity of the manuscripts. Uh, as well as the teachings that are within them and how they line up with the the modern edited canon of 66 that we have today. Right. So I'm, all I'm saying is it might give us some extra details to consider. Um, for example, you mentioned Genesis 15 and that there was a, a covenant there with the pieces. And that's a common uh, narrative that's portrayed about the Genesis 15 moment with Abraham is mm-hmm. that a covenant was made. And many times they give that a name and they call it a threshold covenant. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that what you've heard and what you t- teach and think?
1: You know, once again, the word threshold is not used in the text. Um, it's it's getting a little bit beyond. I, I really like to stick with just what we read there. And as I see that there are, there has been, he said, you know, take a heifer. He splits. There is a death of the animal. The pieces are um that aside there's no meal going on because abraham's chasing the birds away to keep them off the carcass and then we see the uh these two symbols walking through these pieces and then we see a promise to abraham which appears to be a covenant and so that's simply how i do that okay okay um and and god made more than one covenant with Abraham. So there's a covenant for the land. There, there's different, there's a covenant to the seed. Um, and so not to just, we know, Abraham believed God. and It was accounted to him for righteousness that we thought we see the covenant of faith mentioned in the Brit. So uh, yeah, anyway, I just kind of clarifying those. I have a question sure. for you though, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. Go ahead. You, yeah. you, uh, you meant, when I mentioned marriage that you seem to um, not, really jive with that term um you know a wedding supper it's talked about um Mm -hmm. you do you not view the covenant at sinai with israel you don't believe that was a a marriage is that right
0: no it's a reification of the covenant because that was the meaning of shavuot that's actually its feast meaning is to renew the renew the covenant every year and that's all that exodus 24 was is, is okay. it happened in the third month on the sixteenth day, and that's the reoccasion of the Shavuot covenant. Um, right. So, what, what would but you, the, what I've, what would you? I, I'm going to expound real quick. Okay, I, I'm okay. going to the two, the second sentence there to kind of help you understand why sure. um, I don't agree with the marriage narrative as far as how it's commonly taught. Um, mm-hmm. It's commonly taught that God created a, a Sinai covenant with the people at Sinai, and that out of that covenant he had to come die when they broke the covenant and they mix in Hebrews nine, a whole bunch of other places. Yeah. Th- uh, and they also teach.
2: Position, so.
0: Okay. Um, and so as I've heard, it is that uh, I only, not only is the, the symbolism of a ketubah imposed onto the text, isogetically in Exodus 24 through 33, mm-hmm. but then they also take conclusions that are isegetical, not stated in the text. And they start running with those conclusions as far as what it must mean. If Jesus was God that died on the cross for us.
1: Right. And this is
0: where why I'm glad we had a chance to start off by defining the father and the son, because if you truly, in my understanding, if you truly take the scriptures as they define the father and the son, that whole isegetical narrative of the marriage covenant concept goes out the window and you start to realize the implications of what Shavuot really was as a feast day in comparison with the actual okay. descendants at Exodus 24, which so that draws Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
1: Um sorry. I want to make sure you get to finish. I don't want to interrupt you. That's okay.
0: Um, yeah. I think there's a little bit of a lag, but it's okay. And so yeah. ultimately once we define who the father and the son are, you define why they were at Sinai, you define the descendants that were at Sinai of the faithful Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who were already in covenant. That's why Yahweh pulled them out of Egypt to begin with, because he was uh-huh. saving them in good faith towards the faithful Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, so because of that, if you put all that context In the narrative, the marriage covenant's Mm -hmm. out the window. The isegetical teaching of the marriage covenant's out the window. Okay. Okay.
1: So, you know, okay, based on that, uh, when we go into the prophets, we see the prophets speaking of a marriage. Actually, he says that he's married to him. We could go into Hosea. We could go into Ezekiel Mm -hmm. 16. I think maybe Ezekiel 23, if I'm remembering right. Jeremiah 3.
2: I
0: I don't doubt... I don't doubt the language of Hosea. I don't doubt the marriage concept uh, that's spoken about as far as taking Israel as a bride concept. Um, What I'm saying is there's a differentiation between the father and what's promised of his relationship to Israel versus the son and why he was sent. And that relationship to Israel to be king and high priest over Israel is different from the father. So it's the. The land of promise is what you referenced earlier, Matthew 22, 1 through 4. That's that wedding banquet the father threw for his son, two different characters. And then the son is the one who is he is marrying somebody. But in that same parable of the wedding feast of the lamb, the people are not the bride. It's the land. The people are the guests at the wedding. Just as in the promise of the covenant, right? Because it's the land of promise. The New Jerusalem is the thing that both the high priest and king of Israel, as well as all of us who are disciples under Yeshua, we inherit the land. We quote unquote marry Isaiah sixty two four and five. We marry the land. So that's its own metaphor. Right. The father, the father's relationship to all of Israel and faith and belief is is can comparatively be. You know, metaphorized as a as a wedding, that's fine because he is our ruler. As a as a you know, a husband is metaphorically over um, so, a wife, right?
1: What, right? Wouldn't you agree that there's more than one role that uh, whether we're talking about YHWH, Yahuwah, or Yeshua, um, they said, they they, they like, Can you be a yep. priest and a king? Can you be a husband yes. and a father? You know these are interesting. You know, and as we look at the prophets, you know, he says, you know, I found you in your own blood, and I said to you, live, and I took you. And he gives this whole narrative as we go in the prophets of him taking them out of Egypt, taking this little child, making him his own. He comes of age, and he sees that the time of love has come, and he marries her. And and I'd be curious to hear if the If he didn't marry him at Sinai, when do you think that marriage took place?
0: There is no actual marriage, brother. Just as you said earlier, the father can't actually copulate with a human woman. In the same respect, he can't actually marry a human or a group of humans. It's all a metaphor. And so we understand that concept. And as we're applying the metaphor to our theology and trying to understand what the scriptures say, and we want to put it in a metaphoric fashion, that's what I was trying to say. Within each metaphor, there's details that give you the context of the metaphor. And the father cannot at the same time be both the father and high priest, because those are two different positions in the scriptures. So the son who's sent to become the high priest is a is a different person who is under the father's authority. He's not equal to the father in authority. That's why he can attain the high priest position and minister to the father. On our behalf, this is what First Timothy two five, Hebrews mm-hmm. chapter one through eleven, one as well as First John one nine. This is what they all say.
1: I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, yeah. Really, my uh, view and understanding of Yeshua acting as a mediator between the Father, yet being the same person as uh, the Father, does not is not contradictory. And so, uh, you know, i
0: so that, that's probably where we would disagree because. You can, literally, by definition of the words, you, you cannot have the father also being a mediator back to himself. That, that just why, that's why not would how that a priest works?
1: Why would that be? Because
0: that's not the definition of a priest.
1: Well, what about uh, him being the priest and the sacrifice? That, you that's not the that.
0: definition of a priest well metaphorically yeshua is called a sacrifice because he selflessly gave up his will and sacrificed his body to go to the cross he says he laid his own life down so that's why he let them take him to the cross abuse him torture him, beat him and hang him up on the cross unto death he gave up his spirit while on the cross as he prayed to his father so he that's something he willingly sacrificed his body for this is what hebrews chapter 10 talks about and so that's a he did that because what was promised of the son was after he died and, and is in the heart of the earth three days and then resurrects, he's then going to be ordained as high priest over Israel.
2: That's so a specific
1: you, job. Are you saying that there wasn't a uh, the blood being shed for remission of sins that the shedding of his blood didn't actually um, atone, make an atonement because I mean, that's what a sacrifice does? And you're saying it's metaphorical. I'm saying the have...
0: sacrifice. The word sacrifice you're using is used in a metaphoric fashion of Yeshua selflessly given his life on the cross. But the, the definition of a sacrifice pertaining to a priest at a temple, as explained in the Old Testament, as far as a process of the father's house with his ministers, his priests serving him, making meals for him. That's a different connotation of sacrifice according to scripture. So this is why you have metaphoric uses of his, of Yeshua, his selfless obedience, even unto death on the cross, as Hebrews five, seven through 10 says that led him to his priesthood. And that is metaphorically spoken of as his pure blood, because it is, that is his perfect obedience. Just as in the old Testament, the sacrifices the priests would have to bring to the temple to make a meal for Yahweh had to be lambs with pure blood. So this now, is why you have the metaphor of Yeshua calling himself a lamb. Uh, John the Baptist called him the lamb of God. You have P, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 calling Yeshua the Passover lamb, which is different than a guilt. Isaiah 53 calls him a guilt offering. That's a different which, thing a, than the Passover shum, lamb.
1: Right. He's in a thumb in Isaiah 53, but which is actually a very specific Offering that we find in Levitical offerings. And so it's actually to, to your point, by using the uh, Sham, calling him an Asham offering or a guilt offering, um, he's act, he's literally using the Levitical term that and the example that we see in the Levitical priesthood. But is he a literal lamb? Is he a literal lamb? No, that that would be um, see here's thing, that would be the metaphor, but really if you think about it I want to present something to you if the uh, Levitical system and that high priest and the animals that they slew uh, Zebok uh, uh, a blood sacrifice and of course I'm familiar uh, um, even though you mem that I didn't know you're a great member by the way you uh, <laughs> But even sure, though you sure. been that I didn't know the difference between the different offerings, I have I, I've studied it pretty in depth. I mean, we could, I could go into the Hebrew names of them and stuff. And um, I've I've studied the temple, I've studied the sacrificial system. The, the interesting thing though is that when we look at the book of Hebrews, he says that the animal sacrifices were the metaphors. He calls them so? He calls them figures of the huh. truth. And so, if you have a figure that represents the true, what,
0: what verse let, you want off of, brother?
1: Let me. Uh, okay. Let me give you an example. I'll look it up here in a second. You know, if okay. I say if I say that my wife is as sweet as a peach, the peach is the metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's the figure that I'm using, but the reality is who my wife is to me if that makes sense to
0: you 100% which is why you know your wife is actually not round and hairy right she's <laughs> exactly. it's a metaphor right she's right. she's it's a metaphor for something that you know that it implying she's as sweet as a peach we all get the metaphor just like John the Baptist said to right everyone listening behold the lamb of god to take away the sins of the world now how does he actually take away your sins at the resurrection, how does he actually do that? He has through the ability to raise you, raise brother. you through the dead, through because... his blood.
2: Through his okay, blood. What
0: does his blood do? What is his blood on the cross that was spilled for us? What What happened after that? Was that the end of the story, or was there more details?
1: I'm not sure if I'm following. You. He uh, okay washed us again. in his own blood.
0: Did he? Did, were you actually washed in the blood of a human? According to Revelation
1: one five, I was.
0: When When did that happen, brother?
1: Okay, you're not opposed to scripture, are you?
0: I'm asking you literally physically, if you're if you're trying to ignore the metaphor and just say you
1: literally were washed in the blood of Jesus, I'm asking you when I do, did that I actually do believe that you you know, I I almost get the feeling that a lot of what I might say you're gonna call a metaphor here, which is a little concerning because I feel like by doing that, you could deflect almost anything that I say and just say, Well, hey, that's a metaphor. It's um it's 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 going apart it's going away from the text and the literalness of the text can That's i read right.
0: i asked you a question about literally okay. is jesus a lamb yes or no can
1: i read some uh, scripture i i won't even comment sure. i just would like to read maybe uh eight scriptures something like that
0: yeah which ones are they i'll put them on screen for the audience to follow
1: absolutely all right um matthew 26:28 okay for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Ephesians okay. one seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians okay. two thirteen. But now okay. in Yeshua the Messiah.
0: Well, hang on. I can't, I can't go too fast. It. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't put them all on. Screen sure, that fast I will slow down. No, I have no
1: problem slowing down here. Absolutely. Do you want
0: to, do you, I understand if you're what you're trying to do or what you're getting at with these particular verses. Well, would you like to talk about this first verse for a minute for the audience to follow us?
1: Um, do you mind if we read through them first and then we can discuss it? Go ahead, brother. Okay. Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Yeshua the Messiah, you who sometime were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And I'm now I'm in Colossians 1.14, and I'll pause. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, By him to reconcile all things to himself, Uh, Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Sorry, I I forgot to slow down. I apologize. Let me pause
0: here for you. Keep going. Go ahead. Keep going. It's okay.
1: Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place. And once again, we have him acting as a priest. Acting as,
0: or as a priest, is he an actual priest in heaven?
1: Uh, absolutely, he's a priest. Okay, what does a priest do? What does a priest do? He yeah, he he makes. Uh, he stands as an intermediator. and That's he somewhere. also. Like, uh, what's he offers, when he's standing
0: there? What's he actually doing?
1: What is he doing? He's ministering yeah. to God.
0: With an animal, making right. a meal.
1: That's yep. right, right, right. Okay, so if, if I'm hoping you'll let me explain this without the interruptions, I, I want to kind of go into this priesthood idea. Give me three minutes. Is that okay?
0: Well, are we are we moving away from the other topic because you you wanted me to address the idea of the the referencing of his blood and what that means, and I was going to try to do that for sure. you so after, Why don't after you read those eight verses?
1: Okay, why don't you go ahead, and then uh, we'll hold on to that. And uh, okay. I'd like to go into just sometimes it slips my own mind. I want to remember to come back to the idea of the types and shadows of the pre- sure. of the priesthood of Messiah and then come to the real the reality of the priesthood of Messiah. And I want to look at those as a type and shadow and a reality.
0: Yeah, because um, the reason why you even got onto this topic of, of, you know, which verses are talking about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross which is commonly referred to as the blood of Christ in many verses um, Mm -hmm. is because we were talking about whether it's which verses are literal versus metaphor when they're referencing Christ, whether it's in prophecy or in his life and ministry on the earth or after his resurrection, we mentioned Isaiah 50 and all of that was just a sub tangent of differentiating between the father and the son, because I made the claim that the father and the son have to be two separate persons because the son is a priest. Who ministers, and that cannot be the same person. You have to have two people. That's the whole definition of a mediator: is that he's a third party. So, as and so, the question was: Is he a literal lamb? Is he a literal guilt offering? Is he a literal Passover goat or lamb, which is different, right, than the other yeah. offerings? See, so- he's he's, our, he's also our peace offering. That's that was completely different. Mm-hmm. Leviticus two. That's different from a guilt offering. Different right, from a sure Passover man. offering. Right. So he is also called the, John five is called the bread of life, but no one literally thinks he's a loaf of bread. So this is all I'm saying is that there's metaphors appropriated to the Messiah, both in prophecy in fulfillment and in after his resurrection. And that's, and that's fine. You can metaphor all this stuff all day long. That's fine. In the same way, Yahweh, the father speaks of Israel as having authority over them as a husband does over a wife and uses that metaphor of that family relationship to express his authority. Paul repeats that same metaphor in Ephesians chapter 5. and says that right. the father is the head over Christ, just as Christ is the head over the church.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So that's the, the, high, the high priest of Israel was the head over the ecclesia of Israel, the church of Israel. Right. This is, this is the job. And he was to mediate, to make atonement for the sins of Israel. And this is the the job that was given to our, our wonderful Messiah, who is our Lord, our God, our King, and our high priest. But we just know that he doesn't share equal authority with the father because he's ministering back to the father on our behalf.
2: Right.
0: So that whole breakdown means there has to be literal, literal words attached to literal people, two different people, a father and a son and the son has a specific job to minister on our behalf to the father. So that means there's a differentiation between two persons. They have two distinct roles that are defined for us in scripture. We know that metaphors can be applied to that whole process, but at the same time, literal words do matter for why, they, why the son was sent, right. why he was God before he became a man, and he's resurrected, glorified Elohim God again after he's glorified and resurrected. But I right. do not believe that he was hypostatically God while walking the earth in the flesh. I think he was fully a man as Hebrews 5 tries
1: to tell us. Okay, I would disagree with that, but um,
2: okay.
1: Uh, I, I think, so coming into this whole thing about the types of shadows, I'm in Hebrews 10 in verse one. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things and never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto. Perfect. Um, I'm going to stop there. And here's where I'd like to have just a a couple of minutes, if you will, um, without interruption. Basing off this idea of the law having a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image. And so we're, we're going right back to what is a, a figure? What is a you know? If, a, if a, it's a simile, or what was the word you were using? Um, a uh, it wasn't hyperbole; it was metaphor. The metaphor. A metaphor is taking the definition of one thing that's completely different than the other, in order to teach a truth about the other. And so, to say that the the figure is going to be exactly like the very image of the thing to come would be to conflate what a metaphor is. And I would present to you that you're kind of using the uh, the figure and saying that the true has to be just like the figure. But I would say that's not true. And that's not a correct metaphor because the reality is, is that the example that we had was not the true it's the image it's the metaphor to teach us something about the real but the real is not going to look just like the was metaphor i'm just using the definition of a metaphor here
0: i understand okay i'm waiting till you're done okay sure
1: so uh I'll, yeah i'll go into another thing here related uh look at the temple or the tabernacle, if you will, um, the tabernacle, he he says, "Make see that you make it according to the pattern that was showed you. And we know, of course, that Hebrews talks about that the things in the heavens, the the earthly pattern was patterned after things in the heavens. So there was a blueprint. And I love to look at that uh, tabernacle because let's look at how it's made. The tabernacle is made out of ribs. And the Hebrew word there is sel. And these are these planks that we see used in the tabernacle. So these, and it's really the, it's, act, it's the actual word for rib. So It's the same rib that Adam had in the book of Genesis. And so he has a tabernacle framework made out of ribs. And you know what he clothes it in? He clothes it in skin. And now you've got a tabernacle made out of ribs, clothed in skin, and then you know what you find inside that tabernacle, the very presence of God. Okay, You also the find
0: bread that, and fire and incense and but see,
1: that's the figure horns
0: and beat it That's the and, figure.
1: The flesh profits okay. nothing, right? Okay. The words that I okay. say to you are spirit and they're truth. Let me finish this one analogy at least.
0: Uh, I, I'm gonna acknowledge feet. you. Just keep in mind, Sean, as we go forward tonight. I I like I, I lovingly try to try to say as we opened up here, I... I invite sure. you on for discussion. I didn't invite you okay. on just to, to start preaching.
1: I'm not so, preaching, brother. I am trying to yeah. just make a complete thought. That's all I'm trying well, to do. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm letting you have it. I'm just at the same time. It's, okay. We're gonna. We're gonna definitely have to come back to some of this because.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm. 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 I'm really just wrapping it up with the, if I could just finish the, uh, the figure in the reel. So the figure is a tabernacle made out of ribs boards clothed in skin and inhabited by the presence of the living God. And then we come into the Brit Hadashah and the new covenant, which was not the figure, but it's the substance of which the figures spoke of. They're the shadows, which were cast by the true figure. And when we come in there and it says, you know of this, Know ye not that she are the temple of the living God. Your body is the temple of the living God. And what are we? We're a framework of ribs clothed in skin with the glory of God on the inside. And it's the most beautiful picture of the true intention of God that he's always desired, that I will be their God and they will be my people and I will dwell in the midst of them. You know, scripture says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I would ask what could be could being in a temple where the presence of God is, be ever more glorious than being the temple in which the presence of God is inside of you. What what uh, excels in glory, if I may, by Second Corinthians three language. Um, I, I'm, you you are
0: you speaking rhetorically, or are you are you? I'm trying to make sure you have time to. Share yeah. your Point. Are sure. you actually asking me a real question, or are you just speaking? I,
1: no, prayer? I was. I, I, I was. You know, Second okay. uh, Corinthians three uses it compares the old covenant with the new covenant, calling the old covenant the administration of death, and and the new covenant, administration of life. And he says it excels in glory. The first one had glory, but this one excels in glory. The tabernacle had its own glory, but now we have a greater and a true. And it doesn't look like the metaphor, but it's okay. the
0: reality. So wait, it's not a metaphor now. It it does look like a metaphor or what? No, okay, the metaphor. No, the
1: The metaphor is the what we read in Leviticus.
0: The metaphor is what we read in Leviticus. That's right.
1: That's the that? metaphor. It's a, it's an it's an example.
0: No, the definition met- of metaphor. I'm saying give that's me that's not me the, that's
1: not. I read it in Hebrews ten. That Hebrews ten well, says that the shadows are shadows of good things to come but not the very image of that's what right. is to come and so the metaphor is what comes first as paul says what comes first first the natural and then the, the, spiritual. the spiritual that's right and so if we are to take when we want to talk about truths of scripture is yeshua bread bread is something physical But is that the truth he wants to convey or is actually the greater truth is that he is like bread. The bread's the metaphor and the truth is the spiritual of the reality that he will satisfy our every need. We will never thirst because he quenches the very desires of the human soul. And so what I'm saying to you is that. Doesn't
0: James say that it's our own desires that lead us away and tempt us and lead us into sin? That's
1: right. Okay. So he quenches those desires? No, he quenches the good desires of the heart. David said, one thing I will seek that after... the heart was
0: exceedingly wicked and above all things deceitful.
1: Yes. An unregenerate heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, but I don't believe that about a regenerated heart. So I believe that's not When, when about, do you
0: get a regenerated heart? When so do we get a regenerated regenerate?
1: heart?
0: How are you well, defining the word, that term, uh, regenerated heart?
1: I believe that that is... Um, Dependent upon being in the new covenant. Um, let me look up. I think it's when does Titus. the new covenant begin? Then Titus, he says the washing and regeneration of the Holy Ghost. You're familiar with what I do I need to go there or are you familiar?
0: No, I'm I'm familiar. I, I'm okay. also understanding that there's timing to many of these statements that are that are made. Just like there's metaphors in the old and new testament pertaining to people and places and ideas. There's also other statements that are allegories or uh, prophetic tense, like a what's called prolepsis speak in the New Testament, talking about the surety, it's Hebrews 11.1 1, that, you know, this is faith that we uh, believe for things, hope, hope for things that are unseen yet, that have yet mm-hmm. to actually come to pass. This is why in Romans 8, Paul refers to as the future resurrection as the hope of glory. And he tries, like in Colossians, also in Romans 8 as well, he tries to assure the reader that just as Christ was quick and raised from the dead, so will we be at his coming, right? I so there's no a moment that, where right? we... Okay, so yeah, absolutely. there is a moment... In a
1: future resurrection, absolutely. I'm not a preterist. Okay. Okay. okay.
0: okay, so all I'm saying is that there is a moment when some things actually come into effect, but there are many instances in the New Testament where they're spoken of as if they've already come into effect because that's what's... The nature of the language that's what's what's it's called faith speak it's the it's speaking of the wonderful promises of god knowing that he will not fail to do them it's just like in ephesians chapter one he's uh, what was he, the man a good used, work is he used use began a good work that, the word to describe that just
1: theological term
0: you used is something called the the uh, prophetic perfect or it's also called prolepsis
1: oh the prophetic past tense okay i'm not nope, familiar not, with the other words, past Rand. tense
0: not past tense. It's a prophetic perfect. Just okay, consider. Perfect. Prolepsis.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Pro, prolepsis right. is an Hebrew idea of perfect. something that God promised you that, you know, will happen in the future. And you you can speak of it as if it's already happened, because that's how sure you know that he will not fail in bringing that to completion. Okay. So this is something that uh, is, is very, very pronounced in the scriptures. Um, and, but a lot of people look, you know, glaze over it because they also struggle to understand when there's allegories or metaphors or similes, Um, And again, this is why I said it's so important. Like earlier, you dug into Hebrews 10 to talk about the shadow, which Mm -hmm. actually was in Hebrews 8, 5. And it's repeating Exodus 25, 26, and 27 when Yahweh told Moses, everything while you're up on the mountain, everything that you see, that's the pattern you make this one on the ground, right?
1: Right. So my
0: question to you is, I, I, I heard your comparison of the things Moses built on the ground to being like a body right? With skin Mm -hmm. and ribs and the indwelling of the spirit. But my question is, Hebrews chapter 8 directly tells us, now you read from Hebrews 10, but there's nine chapters in front of that, right? So there's a lot of context. Sure. If I have it here on screen, Hebrews chapter 8, it tells us directly that our heavenly Messiah, the Son of God, our wonderful God and Lord and High King and Priest of Israel, he is sitting there saying that we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven who ministers That's an active present tense who ministers in the sanctuary and true tabernacles set up by the lord and not man This is the same tabernacle in the same context that the writer of hebrews reminds us This is the copy in the shadow of what moses made So right,
1: the one on earth there, right. right
0: well hear me out look look at verse one Yeshua high priest ministers in the sanctuary and true tabernacle set up by the lord and not man yeah this place where they serve is a copy and just talking about the levites on the ground they serve in a copy and shadow and this is the one that moses was told to build on the ground and patterned after the one in heaven right there's an actual sanctuary and tabernacle in heaven are we in agreement with that
1: yeah there's a heavenly now whether the heavenly is exactly like the earthly I personally don't believe that there was a, a scope of size and made out of you know the pillars and the boards and the animal skin that the, the raw materials they were told to use are exactly what's used in the heavenly. Um, honestly, I don't know what the heavenly would look like. Um, I would say this, if the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool, and that sacrifice was made in the heavenly tabernacle at the foot of the throne, earth.
0: Okay, I'm going to, okay, so, but my question was about the comparison of why the, the tabernacle on the ground was being called a copy and a shadow of the one in heaven. That's right. And that's the one that the, the verse in multiple places tells us that Yeshua is actually doing a job as a high priest ministering in that tabernacle in heaven. Mm-hmm. Present tense, he always lives to make intercession for us. Present tense, First Timothy two five. He ministers between the true God
1: and mankind. Okay, so right. ever living to make intercession for us is different than ongoing slaying of animals.
0: That, that is uh, the definition in the Torah of intercession. The priest made intercession. Moses for made Israel?
1: intercession for Israel when they sinned and prayed. and Moses said wasn't a priest. Of their to... Book. Hmm. Moses was a
0: priest, brother. Moses Easily was not, Aaron was ordained in the priesthood. Exodus twenty-eight one. Moses was not the high priest of Israel. So, in the definition of how does a high priest of Israel Moses, intercession?
1: My for point Israel. wasn't that Moses was a priest. My point was that Moses made intercession that didn't include slaying of animals.
0: All I'm saying is, yeah, the context tells you the use of that word intercession. How's it being made? Yes, Moses in Exodus thirty-two goes up and says, "I'll go back up and ask God for your forgiveness. Perhaps He'll forgive you." Yes, I get that, but that's not the definition of a priest in a temple of Yahweh ministering. That's what the verse in verse 2, Hebrews 8, 2 says that the high priest ministers in a sanctuary, true tabernacle that Yahweh built, not men. So we know we're not talking about the ground-based one built by the Levites. We're talking about the one in heaven. This is the one it says was the pattern which Moses patterned after. And this is the one that it says Yeshua literally ministers in right now. So I guess the question would be, how can Yeshua be a high priest doing an active ministering job in a temple and also be the father at the same time?
1: Well, I think that we're missing some really important uh, points here. Um, The sacrifice of the shadows, Leviticus, there was a continual offering being made, which according to Hebrews could not make the comers to perfect hebrews 10 um but then we go later and i think that's 10 1 and then we go later in hebrews 10 down lower and then he says he has perfected forever them two, that are sanctified and so
0: wait wait, wait um, let's go to it let's go everyone always misquotes this verse <laughs> absolutely yeah let's go to it. i'm gonna put on screen for us respectfully yeah. let's look at the actual verse. let me know what Here verse you're, you're in and i'll verse follow 13. i got a
1: bigger screen in front of me so i'll follow my verse
0: 13 hebrews 10 13 this. since that time he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet because by a single offering he has made perfect for all time those who are present tense being sanctified
1: that are sanctified
0: does, no no being sanctified what does the
1: word perfect mean in uh in this usage here what is it the word perfect i would say the word perfection is not like some would say sinless perfect is having all things necessary to be complete and having all parts and pieces necessary to be complete. And so I would say we are perfect in that the sacrifice that he made is all that needs to be done for That's me right. to be and it, complete. And it goes on
0: to tell you why the, his sacrifice of his body, this is why it, it mentions um, a body you've prepared for me, the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, He's, he's not going to do it again. That's just he did it one time for all. Thank you guys for the super chats, by the way, in the live chat. Uh, there was a gentleman earlier with the super chat. Thank you so much. And also Rich P. Now, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Um, so this is the sacrifice of the body. So we understand that. We understand what that sacrifice mm-hmm. is talking about. And since the body, of Yeshua. When this, my, the body,
1: I'm on the spread page with you. Do you by body? You mean the body of Yeshua?
0: Yeah, on the cross. He sacrificed okay. himself on the cross. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the body, when this priest had offered for all time, that's his, they already explained what that offer was. That was his body. Mm-hmm. So when, once he did that, f- one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Okay. Do you know can what I, this term means? He sat down I, at the right hand of God. Can I interject here? I'm if August
1: he just... is continually busy offering other sacrifices, How would he have time to sit at the right hand of God?
0: This is why I just asked you the definition of this phrase. Okay. Okay. You know, we could say that it's a a
1: euphemism for uh, authority and power. Uh, We could say that it is uh, literal. We could say that it is pointing out that authority, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We go all the way back to Psalm 110. um, is, Is that right or is it Psalm 2? Um, I might be. Well, uh, anyway, the it's it's right here. Okay, right.
0: So he's given a name that's that's authority. He's given a name greater than the angels. So he's he provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does it mean to set down at the right hand of God? That was the place for the high priest of Israel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, yeah. I don't have a problem with him being the high priest of Israel.
0: There it is. But well, no, it literally tells you he is, right? You're in one verse. I'm trying to see what you're saying. That's Hebrews chapter one, verse
1: four. Verse right. Three. Well, I actually don't see that. I see him being acting in a priestly uh, role and then finishing the work and then sitting down at the right hand. I don't see where it's saying that sitting at the right hand specifically is defined as um, performing priestly duties. I don't see that.
0: You don't see that,
1: no. So I, I he's could given, he's I'm given willing a to, job. There's no other description free free.
0: in all of Scripture. Never in Scripture is is a priest not ministering to the Father in a temple. That's literally the part of the ordination. That's part of him having that that high priest position, right? There's no other definition for why he would be in a temple in heaven as a priest if he's not doing the job that's outlined for a temple and a priest. So, so I
1: would like to go to Hebrews nine with that statement and check it by uh-huh. Hebrews 9. If you're well, done, though, because I don't want to be, I want to be very respectful, brethren. Uh, you know, if you had some more to share, I will wait. I, I would like to, what the statement you just made, I'd like to go into Hebrews 9.
0: Yeah. No, th- I'm, I'm just, we're fleshing it all out here. Just the sure. idea of whether we agree on the definition of a priest or not and what a priest of Yahweh does to Yahweh and for Yahweh mm-hmm. uh, as two separate characters in this process. Um, okay. So then we, you know, that's, that's part of the, part of it here. Um, okay. So is there a specific thing in Hebrews nine that you had in mind?
1: Yeah, let's go to, uh, I want to take it in context. I don't like to isolate verses. Um why don't I read, I'm going to start, oh, let's just say I'll start in six. If you want me to stop anywhere and comment, that's fine. Um, I'm just getting context here. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests, so we're talking about the Levitical priests, just so we're in full con- context, here, yeah. went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. And we know, of course, the holy and the holy. And the holiest, and so the holiest they made once a year, but into the second, which I didn't need to comment, it's right here, within in the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy right. Ghost, thus signifying that the way into the holiest was of all was not yet revealed, while as yet the first tabernacle was standing which was a figure for this present time or for the present time um, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them, I think this is really important, and we can stop for a moment if you want to I, hear. I
0: love it. I was going to ask you to stop right here. Okay. Finish that sentence, because this is really important. Yeah. Finish that sentence. Okay, so the... Finish that sentence?
1: Finish the sentence. Then you want to go first? That's fine. Imposed on them until the time of Reformation. Until the time of Reformation. I when when is that. that
0: Reformation being referenced here?
1: Well, I think it's in the next verse.
0: No, no, I'm saying, do you believe the writer of Hebrews in the first century AD... Had already experienced that reformation, or do you think that reformation is yet uh,
1: to come? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, you think I can't you even, think the uh, reformation
0: the, was the death on the cross? Yeah. Okay. The new Not covenant the resurrection
1: isn't the Not new the covenant to heaven. Wouldn't the new covenant make sense to be the reformation?
0: Does Yahweh have a pattern in the scriptures, or does Yahweh ever accept a new any covenant with human blood?
1: Is well, see, there, there—that's where we go into tying this idea of was he just a man?
0: Okay, <laughs> he had and to be so, a man,
1: and and that's yeah. why we we <laughs> talk we we join these subjects because it's going to be really hard to talk about one without the other. I admit that. Um, right. Is he just a Let's human just focus on this sacrifice? passage on the screen then,
0: before okay. we get too far off on that, because this is very, sure. very important. I don't think people really understand. Hebrews chapter nine sets up just all the way from chapter seven. It sets up the idea that there is a temple on the ground that Levites minister in, and that those, were, those priests had to make atonement for their own sin before they could minister for the sins of, of the rest of Israel. That's right. This goes on to tell you that Yeshua didn't have to do that because he was without sin. So he didn't have to shed blood for his sin. That's right. Because that's why it talks about his blood as purity being perfect for us, because it allows him as high priest, that's a real literal word with a real job attached to it. As high priest, he gets to go in. Without sacrificing animals ahead of time, he can just walk right up to the throne of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and perform mediation.
1: Do you believe walk... literal blood was shed? That he shed literal blood? Who are you talking about? What are you talking about? Do you about? believe that he had literal blood shed? Are I do. Are you talking about, are you you talking about a... Jesus on the cross? Yeah, absolutely. You believe it's literal, don't you? Well, I it's believe he was a man. Literal and blood. Bled.
0: Yeah, he bled. Yeah, on on the cross. Okay. I'm talking about metaphor versus reality of what's defined. You see, what well, is? And I'm glad earlier, that you
1: earlier I'm you bled. said that the that his blood being shed for us was a metaphor, but now you're saying that the blood is was literal,
0: brother. No, I'm saying what's you, how you're taking that to a conclusion to say that Yahweh okay. viewed the shed blood of Messiah on the cross as a propitiation in that moment, but that's not what His his law for priests in a temple defines for as propitiation. It defines as the process of a priest who's ordained in a priesthood, making a meal to Yahweh in a temple ordained by Yahweh. Yeshua was killed on a cross outside of a temple on a hill. Like he was not, he was not slain by the hand of a priest in an ordained temple. Outside he was not, the camp
1: he was, and he was taken right? outside the camp <laughs> and then he uses the sacrificial system of how they carried the, offering outside the camp
0: so what i'm saying to you is there's no reason if you think that he he accomplished the this if you think that it's a one-to-one metaphor that all the work of the priests in the old testament and and the animals that they made meals for yahweh was suddenly all metaphorized and accomplished with the death of a person on the cross by yeshua then there's no reason for him to be called a priest after his resurrection and ascend to the temple in heaven and be called a minister in that temple. There's no reason whatsoever.
1: It's all unnecessary. The, if you view the sacrifice of that high priest being needing to be continual, then I would see what you're saying. But if he be, but if it was always a type for one moment in time. No, that if well, it was We already talked about, about the, the sacrifice, once and for all
0: sacrifice, Hebrews 10. Ex- well, I haven't gotten there
1: actually in Hebrews 9. I was trying to, that's what, that's the, the heart of what I was trying to get to. As okay. we, and I don't mind pausing here, but that's where I'm hoping to go with Hebrews 9 is going to mention his sacrifice. It, it's going to, verse 12, he's going to okay. talk about the bloods of, of, of goats and bulls. And then he's going to go on and tell us how Yeshua's sacrifice is, is different than that.
0: Okay. You, I'm trying to Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. You can read it. Okay. That's fine.
1: Okay, so um I just want to throw a little emphasis on well we kind of dealt with that. I don't need to do that It was until the time of reformation. I think that the new covenant is the time of that reformation. I think that would make sense. Um
0: but but we haven't defined when the new covenant began though. That's Right. Point, I, that's what I, I, was I, I
1: was, to get to. I can't wait for that part, right? Okay. okay. Um no. And and I mean I I love that the new covenant is is freedom. It's it's everything that we that mankind's ever waited for. Um, you know, it's it's such a beautiful thing that I really think that you know, and I hope that you feel the same way. Before I go on and read, that I'm here, I want truth. I'm willing. I'm willing to change my view if it's not true.
0: Oh, absolutely. Do you believe the Old Testament uh, prophets and patriarchs? Do you think that they would like to experience a new covenant too?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay. How are they going to do that if they're dead?
1: How? Because he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then yeah. his answer was, He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And so and I believe. Are they alive that they, right now? Oh, um, in spirit, yes. What is that? I mean? believe. I know there's a, some people believe in soul sleep or whatever, but Did, he says Didn't that we already he, define
0: that spirit is an actual fleshly being? It has its own type of flesh, its own type of glory?
1: The body, the natural body is.
0: No, 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 no. The spirit. We, we looked at he, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 at the beginning of this conversation. We right. talked about Paul ex- exegeting the difference between the body of the flesh and versus the flesh of the spirit. He says well, there's two kinds of flesh. That's right. 1 Corinthians 15 one of the spirit, one of the of the mortal earthy, right? So you're saying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in spirit are experiencing the new covenant. So you're saying they have a spiritual body already?
1: Well, there, um, no, there's a resurrection to come. But you, if you look at, if you really study it, and we could really get sidetracked here, and I don't want to do that. We could agree that there. we may disagree on what happened to people when they died. The scripture says that their body is put into a, a bar, a tomb, but that their spirit goes to Sheol, which is a place for the dead to have departed. And so I, I don't We've confound. the of extensive
0: teachings on Sheol. Yeah, I agree
1: with tomb you. Tomb with the place of the dead. And so, and we see different things. We see the Abraham in, uh, what is it? Luke uh, 16, 15, 16. Luke 16, and
0: 19 through 41. Lazarus, he's expressing that's right. the difference between the two compartments in Sheol for the righteous right. or the unrighteous. Yeah,
1: right. And so Abraham rejoiced to see his day and he saw it and was glad. And so
0: wait, I, how do you applying that right there?
1: I, I totally believe that. Um, well, when else did he see his day? They said, you're not yet 50 years old. And yet, have you seen Abraham? Of course, that doesn't prove my point about the deity because you believe he pre-existed as well. But I'm just well, saying before that... we go
0: too much further, brother. Let me just stop sure. this all real quick. It's hour and fifteen minutes in. And okay. this is part of the title of the show. Let's actually define what you mean by the word deity. Because we affirm here at Kingdom of Context that Yeshua is God now, but he's the okay. Son of God, he's not the Father. We just know what the word God means and the different definitions in scripture there are for the Almighty who's God, the Son, who's high priest and ruler in God, because it's a mm-hmm. term for rulership. And then the sure. angels are also referred to as little G gods. False gods are obviously exactly. called false gods, right? And they're unclean spirits. That's right. But then even some scriptures refer to as human rulers as little G gods, because it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a word of rulership. It's not a word that every single time always means the almighty. So okay. we understand the context matters. So how do you define deity or God? Since we believe okay. Jesus is God, we just kind of know what that actually means in context. How okay. do you define it?
1: Or the sake of, being in the middle of hebrews 9 i won't co- comment much but can i just get to the part about this one sacrifice and then switch gears i will do it very quick i promise you
0: i'm i'm confused i just asked if we could stop real quick before we go further since we're an hour okay no, we wanted to define,
2: I, we, we I wanted totally to define the thumbnail okay.
0: because people are curious in the chat as well and sure. i thought we would get to it much much quicker So I'm asking you you very, very quickly if you can just help me define your understanding of deity in reference to Jesus. Okay, and I got to do it concisely. You just have to do it, I would ask. Let's just do it before (laughs) we get too much further because I think think it might matter.
1: Okay, so I know you know the word Elohim, and uh, it's in a plural form. But we see that when that plural form appears, whenever talking about the supreme deity, it uses singular pronouns with a plural form, which is actually breaks all the rules rules of Hebrew. And that's known as the plurality of greatness, some might call it. But just that uh, something could be so great that it gets the plural form, even though it's singular. Um, And we don't have to. I know that it's kind of a circular... Go I'm ahead. Sorry, go ahead, brother. No, no, no.
0: Go ahead. I, I oh, mean to I'm i just
1: that. I'm just going to say, like, I've had these conversations a lot of times and I know that you have, too. And so what will happen is is I'll throw some verses out there and you have uh, very well fielded them in the past and we could get into around. What I'm saying that for is that we don't really have to go there and slow it down unless you want to. I think we'll agree. I'm, I'm just asking you to def,
0: to to help the audience know where you're right. coming from by quickly or possibly quickly defining okay, your of the word deity,
1: right? When okay. in
0: reference to Jesus Christ, how do you mean by All that? Right. Because because there's a lot of folks that know you and know me, mm-hmm. and right. they're in the chat right now. Wait, what that. does this guy do believe? No, yeah. no, hang on. Let, hear me out. Let me finish the sentence, please. There's sure. people in the chat right now saying that we somehow deny the deity of Jesus Christ. We do not. We affirm it. We just know the definitions of words and how they're used in different applications. So we understand that Jesus is God. This is literally Psalm 45, six and seven in Hebrews chapter one, eight and nine. Yahweh, Mm -hmm. the father calls his son, God, because it's a position of rulership. He gave to his son. That's our understanding of Jesus is God. And he did come in the flesh as a man, but then he died in the heart of the earth three days, resurrected and glorified, and he is God over heaven and earth, under still under the authority of the Almighty, as First Corinthians 15 explains. Okay. How would you define God in reference to Jesus?
1: Okay, so according to my definition, um, my understanding of it, and I mean this with a lot of respect, in my way of viewing that, you do deny his deity the way I define deity. Um, I'm okay. well aware so I'm well aware of the uh, use, the rare usages of the word Elohim, and could be summed up in, in probably on five fingers, the places in which it might refer to uh, judges or to the angels. And I would, I would throw in the verse there. I have said that ye are gods, and we know that Yeshua quoted that, and he says, you know, are you ready to stone me because I said I'm the son of God? And he quotes that verse, but I, I really love that when we go to the next verse after that, where he says, you are gods, he says, but ye shall die like men. And I, I almost see a bit of a sarcasm there. And yod heh vav is like, okay, yeah, you're gods. You're gods, aren't you? But you're going to die just like men. And we even see the same kind of, uh, almost a sarcasm, if you will, when he speaks of the false gods and he, like we go in Isaiah, what is it? Isaiah, is it 40? Or the judgment of the gods, all,
0: all over the place. In Isaiah he speaks about yeah, false
1: gods. calling them, and then we see these statements. I, I um, know you're familiar with. Is there any other god besides me? And he makes this statement. He says, "I know not one." And so, and then we go into the statement in What's the Brit, here, where he says there are gods many and lords many. But unto us, there is only one God. And so there, I, I What's will... What's saying right here, brother? Go ahead.
0: What's he saying right here?
1: Therefore, God, your God, okay, it's talking about Yeshua, has anointed you with the oil of joy above all your companions. And mm-hmm. so exactly to me, this proves what I'm saying, that Yeshua is God. The Father calls him God. And he's... But he's but is the he the Father? Dead. He's the son, so I, I think part of the problem might be is I I probably didn't make a real because we got sidetracked I didn't get to do a real complete uh, explanation of how I view the sun and what that means to me.
0: And that's why I'm asking you right now. I'm giving you the sun is right not now. the
1: father. The father is not the son.
0: So you believe in but, two separate characters?
1: But they are not two separate. But there is only one vav vave, and they are both vav vave. They are manifestations two separate manifestations of the same God.
0: So then what are they conjoined twins that were separated? <laughs> no, God's okay, a little so, bit
1: bigger than we could put him into a box. And so the, well, son, wait a minute, I,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. Cause you're describing two gods. Okay. So you, you, you keep saying you're not, I'm not. Okay. But that's to everyone in the world who uses the English language. It sounds like you're describing two separate characters. You said the yeah. father's not the son. And the son's not the father that's right there's not two gods there's one god this sounds very much like classic trinitarianism
1: no they they just use three instead of two let me help you because i know that i'm losing you let me use a phrase that'll help you pinpoint me even though i don't like the label those are modes of revelation if you will
0: let me ask you a quick question and it has exactly to do what you're talking about when you get to heaven and you walk into the new jerusalem Actually, it's coming down to us, but let's just, just play, just bear with me. So when you walk up to the new Jerusalem, once at the resurrection and you walk inside, are you going to see the father and the son standing in front of you? Or are you going to see one thing, one person standing in front of you?
1: Yeah, I, I see in scripture where we see the son at the right hand of God, whether that I could be misunderstanding that. And that is literal or was it, whether that is metaphorical, you know, honestly, I'm not sure what we'll find when we walk in, because I think that some of these things are hard to understand, but we're going to have a clear view of them in that time. So I do have no, I have no confusion whatsoever on the father and the son being different modes of revelation of the same being. And one is titled the father and one is titled the son because of the separate roles um, of Yodhe heh -Heh. Um, How he will appear to me, that might be, I'm not that's a little bit obscure to me so I'm not sure. I haven't formed a solid opinion All on right. it.
0: All right, so just just for the people watching because, you know, this this matters to other trinitarians and I'm not trying to mm-hmm. label you in a derogatory way. Sure. But you're just described what's called modalism.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. This is also what's called oneness, Trinitarian oneness theology. I'm
1: I'm well aware. Right, right, right. (laughs) Okay.
0: So I'm not trying to label you in a bad way, brother. I'm just trying to say. Oh, no. I don't consider
1: that. Everybody is somebody's heretic. Right? Okay. So I I don't have a problem. You're you're not mine.
0: You're not mine. I don't (laughs) think you deny. Even though you just described uh, polytheism. I don't I don't think that you No 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 you believe in polytheism. I, just think you're...
1: I'm, I don't believe in polytheism but you do believe in polytheism. Okay. Because so this, you
2: have two okay, gods I'm trying to and, say I, is, a and minute, I don't Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. A minute, wait a I minute. don't.
1: I was okay.
0: just trying to give you some you slack me a polytheist. <laughs> say, Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to give you some slack because <laughs> okay. you believe that I'm a heretic because I deny the deity of Yeshua. No, did I call you did I, I call you on, a Sean, heretic? I'm just trying to Sean, okay. I'm extending a peace offering. You just got to let me finish
2: so you can
1: hear I know. You, okay? I'm just saying I didn't call you that. So I'm not trying to you be gotta, mean
0: here. You, you just got to let me finish the statements. And okay. okay. I just want I'm, you to know I'm, I'm not trying to be mean.
1: You. I'm trying to be loving. I am. Okay.
0: Okay. You got to let me finish the statements, right. brother. Okay. So all I'm trying to say is you said everyone is someone else's heretic. And I'm saying to you, the average person who believes as you do is called a heretic by other classical Trinitarians. Uh, Okay? Right. I don't call you a heretic. I call you a brother in the faith. I think that you're not using the definition of words, but I don't fault you for that. I think that we're all learning. And I think that you're still a brother in the faith. You still believe Jesus is your salvation. I don't think that you truly have a good grasp on how he provides that salvation for you, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I judge you erroneously because of it. So I still think that you're a good brother in the faith. I think that I would just encourage you to continue studying the definition of terms, and then you'll be able to better understand what's metaphor and what's not when it comes to the new Testament language. And I don't, I, even though you're describing polytheism, even saying you're not, I think your words are contradictory, but I don't fault you for it. This is okay. why I hope to have these type of open conversations so that we can hear where we're coming from
2: right. because
0: the average person when they hear you describe that there's two separate characters but there's one god but oh but they're both god yeah that's contradictory language that's an oxymoron and that makes pe- the average person's brain think you're describing polytheism
2: okay so,
0: whereas we've tried to describe one god Deuteronomy 6:4 1 Corinthians 8:6 there's one mm-hmm. true god John 17:3 there's one true god and then his son Who's also called God, but it's a different capacity for the definition of the word God. It means ruler over heaven and earth. Just as 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28 tells us, even though the Father made Yeshua ruler over heaven and earth, and that means he's God, he still is not over an authority than the Father. The Father is still over an authority to Yeshua. So if we understand the definition of the word God, We understand just like someone in the comment right now is asking about Isaiah 9, 6, where he's called the great eternal God, wonderful counselor, mighty savior. And it's speaking about Yeshua. We know the definition of the word God means ruler. Now, how do you apply the definition of that word depends on the context. The Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 passage, he's ruler over heaven and earth. That's a promise to him. Psalm 2, right? The father says, I've anointed my king. That's a ruler. And then all the other nations, he's going to go break the nations with the rod of iron because that's mm -hmm. the purpose that the father chose for the son to be high priest and King right. still does not take away from the, from the deity of the son or the father. We just know they
1: have a certain place in their hierarchy of authority. So you're miss you're, you're really mischaracterizing and, and I actually don't I have a hard time believing you think that my view is polytheistic. I'm I almost feel like you're throwing a mischaracterization in there on purpose. I, I said
0: your language, your language you is polytheistic know. I just don't think you realize it.
1: Yeah, I know. I actually, I don't, um, see, the thing is, is that there being one God, if, okay, if you, let's take water, I mean, and I'm not trying to give you a Trinitarian example, there's one substance, and it's water, It there's not three persons, it's one substance, it's water, it can be in the form of an ice cube, it can be in the form of liquid, and it can be in the form of a gas, there is only one water there is not three different beings i would have to believe in three separate beings in order to be a polytheist but actually you believe the father and the son are two separate beings that by definition would make you the polytheist and me not the polytheist and so i if I, like if I believe
0: that. poly polytheism is talking is traditionally used for pagan culture is referring to a family or a pantheon of gods for one because mm-hmm. i believe in the god of israel That means I believe in the one true God, just as Jesus says in John 17, three. But Sean, if I believe in the one true God of Israel, then I have to take seriously his words to me. And Yahweh, the father, the almighty, the one true God of Israel tells me that he gave us his son and he called his son God. Right. Because that means he defines it for us in Psalm 2, Isaiah 9, 6, Revelation 20, verse verse 1 through 4, 1 through 6. He defines it for us. Right, mm-hmm. so that he gave us a ruler, and that's the that's the definition of that Elohim word in Hebrew and the Theos in Greek,
2: yeah. is
0: a ruler. Now, what type of ruler depends on the context. So I know when I speak about Yahweh in Deuteronomy six four that he is one. There's one God. He's a true God of of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. That yeah. context is about Yahweh the Almighty, not about the Son. This is why, Paul. Has to, let me read the verse to you real quick, because Paul is addressing this conversation in the first century A.D. He
1: mm-hmm. apparently
0: had to address it to the Corinthians, who were formerly polytheists. Okay, so I'm going to put this on screen for you real quick, okay. and I'll read it for the whole audience to see. This is in 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. It says, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power for he that's Yeshua must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for God has put everything under Yeshua's feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under Yeshua, this clearly does not include the one that's Yahweh who put everything under Yeshua.
1: Right. So you're seeing that as two separate agreements.
0: Yes. the, The scriptures tell us there's a father and there's a son.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. Um, is you know what words are, right? A dumb question, rhetorical. I, I'm not trying to be, act like you're, you're dumb. You're not. You're, you're far from that. Um, my words represent my intellect, my emotions, and my thoughts. They represent who I am. And you could no more separate my words into a separate entity from me because they represent my being and who I am. They are the expression of myself. And Yeshua is the living word. I would ask you, is, are your words subject to you that speaks them? And so I have no problem with Yeshua being subject to the one who spoke the word. He flows from, he proceeds from the father and he returned to the father. And I like to explain that as I take a large pitcher of water and that pitcher of water would be the father. And as I pour it into a cup that is lesser than, and a lesser amount of water in there, that would be the son. The son is the, leper, the lesser representation of the fullness of who God is. He is the, he had to be by necessity. The son had to Philippians chapter two. I know you're familiar. He had to come into a, lesser, a humbled form, the form of a man, he humbled himself so that he could, so that God could contact and encounter men and they wouldn't die. And so the revelation of God in a form that we can encounter and not die is called the son. And he says, I proceeded forth from the father and I returned to the father. And in that sense, he's also an agency of the father. Yet the agent of the father is also the father. Can you see that?
0: So how does that jive with what you said earlier when you said that the angels in the Old Testament are Yeshua?
1: The angels? No, I didn't say. I, I believe angel, that the
0: angel of the presence in, in the Old Testament was Yeshua. Right. But now you just said that when Yeshua was manifest in the flesh, it was a version of God that we could interact with. So what version of him showed up as the angel of the presence in your view?
1: What version of God was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego?
0: What, what is it, though? Did, what If there was a fourth person there? That was the son.
1: It? it was the version okay. of God that can be encountered. They didn't die. They walked out of there. And so you're so, saying there's
0: two different versions that could be encountered, both bef- ones
1: before he God became can, a man? God could come then, in a hundred versions. He could he could express himself okay. without changing or his or nature
0: an
1: any way he wanted. He could be. Okay. He might cover you with his feathers. Well, um, what if
0: the scriptures just plainly told us that it was an angel? and not a pre-incarnate Yeshua.
1: Well, the word angel just means messenger. And so Mm -hmm. there's the messenger of his presence. There is that, you know, I don't think we probably have time to go into that. I would love to, but I feel like it's a little bit off from where we're going. I, you know, I don't expect to fully be able and, and not no fault to you. That's how these discussions go. I don't expect that I will be able to have a full explanation of my beliefs you haven't had a chance during this discussion to have a full explanation of your beliefs.
0: Um, I have. I have. I've given it
1: twice oh, okay. yeah. um I, I'd li- I think that we could clear this up through agency. Th- do you want to talk about agency for a minute?
0: We, we teach agency, that the son okay. is an agent of the father. Right. That's what we and, teach on this channel.
1: But what I'm suggesting is that the, the, the agent can be the same as the one who sent the agent.
0: Do you no, agree? That's not how agents work. No, that's
1: not. Can, that's not. Can I show you? Can I show you how that works? You, are me? you sure?
0: You're welcome to. Yeah. Which scripture okay. would you like me to go to? Okay. Because let you know, an right. agent by definition means it's a second person.
1: Okay. Well, it can be a second person, or it can be. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what is your belief? Since I don't fully know your position, what is your belief about the Holy Spirit? Is that another deity? No. Who or what is the Holy Spirit, in your opinion?
0: It's, it depends on the context, but in a general sense, as most, the deposit that we received is the the power of God inside of us, a part of His Spirit, a part of His power that exhibit or animates throughout all of creation. The same thing that breathed into Adam in Genesis two seven, he became a living being. That breath of life, sure. as well as the type of uh, wonderful power that's poured out through the priesthood of Yeshua, like it happened in, in Acts chapter two.
1: So is that? So but the it's Holy Spirit—it's not, Spirit not like—it's an inanimate. It's it's an inanimate object. It's just a. Uh, what is is the Holy Spirit a uh, form of Yod Hey Vav When He says God is Spirit, is it's not talking about the Holy Spirit?
0: It's not a. It's not a fleshly body of spiritual nature, like First Corinthians fifteen describes. It's the power deposited into you upon your conversion. It's part of the gift of the Spirit. It's part of the gift of faith that prompts you to repentance and the good works, and starts your okay. discipleship process.
1: All right. Well, that's the deposit,
0: let's, the guarantee, the surety of what's to come at the resurrection when you actually get into the new covenant.
1: Okay. How about we go through some scriptures about the Holy Spirit? Are you okay with that? And I'm going to present the Holy Spirit. I'm not, you know, just upfront. I'm going to present the Holy Spirit as an agency used by God. So then the hol- even Holy- though you're going to read these verses, a- you're going to you're not to be the describing- agent of Yod I that's wanna, fine,
0: but I'm just—I want to make sure for the audience' sake, as you read these verses, you're not going to be describing classical Trinitarian thought because they put a third person to what the verses you're about to read.
1: Okay, and
0: so but I you're would not going it, do it
1: that. a separate. I do believe the Holy Spirit's a person, but I believe He's the person. What kind, kind of person va- are you talking about, Yodevave? I believe that yeah, He's not. A, that's
0: not a third person. That's the same person.
1: That's the same person. That's what I'm saying. Is I believe, but the that's Holy not Spirit. a third
0: person. We don't talk like. Why would we say that?
1: Well that's not for me to answer because it as is, we read the scripture it becomes clear that he talks about his spirit as a separate agency and yet I would say almost everybody would agree that the spirit of god is god and yet From god, for sure it, it's
0: the power of god yeah
1: right he's is was he be, was, is the holy spirit begotten is he uh, in Never some way that. like the son is he He's not a person, but yet we see the attributes of God in him.
0: Can the son distribute the Holy Spirit to us? Yes. Okay. This is what I said earlier. That's a part of his position and his privilege as high priest of Israel. He has the power to give us the spirit through the gifts of the
1: spirit as he chooses. This is
0: what was granted to him.
1: So I'd like to go in here to uh, just a few scriptures, if you will.
0: Which one would you like to read first?
1: Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3.17. Okay. All right. All right, I have it here on the screen for us. No, the Lord is that spirit. And go ahead and look at the context. I really, I'm really, i not clear on what you believe about the Holy Spirit, and I'm hoping that through this discussion, I will at least understand what you mean by the Holy Spirit. I'm reading, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now this statement, the Lord is that spirit, and it you know we, if you look at context, I don't know, do you agree that the Lord here being talked about is the Father, Yoda Va?
0: No, no, no.
1: Okay. Who's the Lord in second Corinthians 3:17? It's
0: who is the Lord? That's Yeshua. The Lord is the Spirit.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I agree let's with go you. in here.
1: So Yeshua is the Holy Spirit. Is that what you're saying?
0: Are you, are you saying that this is the Holy Spirit in this verse? Is that what you're trying to say? I well, know it's capitalized, but, but you realize there's no capitalization in the ancient Greek, right?
1: Let's look at the uh, text and see if we can figure out who the who the Spirit that's being talked about here is, or who the sure. Lord is.
0: Sure. You don't think the Lord is uh, being referred to as Yeshua in this passage?
1: Let's let's read it. Now okay. the Lord, because I think verse 18 is going to shed some light. Now the Lord is that spirit. I thought we were gonna read the whole text. We, Which are. we just want to
0: stick with 18.
1: Oh, we can start anywhere you want. Okay. Uh I was gonna start at 17, but I can go further back if you want.
0: Okay. Well I'm just if we talk about the idea of, of the transformation of how the veil is being removed from them in this passage okay. uh, we can we can go as early as 14 or we can go all the way back up to 1 sure Let, let's this go 14, to 14 it says but their but their minds were closed for to this day the same veil remains at the reading of the old covenant it has not been lifted because only in christ can it well, be well let's
1: removed. let's go to verse do you mind if we go to 13 because i think it's key okay okay Go ahead. So we're not like
0: Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at the end of what was fading away. So he's talking about a specific moment, Nexus 33. Right. Okay. So we're not like him. So we're not rejecting the goodness of God, which was considered the glory emanating from the face of Moses. So we don't believe Moses was the Holy Spirit, right? But we, right. we believe that he right. was no, just he's emanating. he's putting a
1: veil over his face because he's talking to somebody.
0: I get we it. Want to, what, we want to figure out purpose.
1: who he's talking. We want to figure out who he's talking to.
0: <laughs> well, the scriptures tell us who he's talking to, by the okay. way.
1: Okay. All right. But their minds okay. being blinded for until this okay. day. Go ahead and read if you want. I don't mean to talk over you at all. I, I want to be respectful.
0: But their minds were closed for to this day the same veil remains at the reading of the old covenant. It's not been lifted, because only in Christ can it be removed. And even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. Real quick, Sean, who's he talking about? Who's who's has the veil over their of their hearts?
1: Well, I believe, if I'm correct, that it was the unbelieving Jews who were reading the Old Testament but had not received Christ.
0: Okay, I agree with you. That's wonderful. So the moment that they actually put their faith in the prophet that Yahweh sent, which is a command in Deuteronomy 18, Mm -hmm. then therefore they're now believing the Father in faith because of the Son he sent. And they are then going to have that veil removed so they can see the glory of Christ which he is, as Hebrews 1, 3 through 5 says, he's the express image express of Yahweh, the image of right? He's the, so yeah. we, we understand just how beautiful and wonderful the behavior of, of the Father is because Yeshua exemplified it for us. But right. if you refuse to believe the Father, then you'll never see the Son and how beautiful he is, which is what Jesus tells the Pharisees. Right. And if you don't John see who
1: the Son is, you'll never know who the Father is because okay. when you see the Son for who he is, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd throw that in there for free.
0: That's fine. That's fine. So verse 15, (laughs) and even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, not their eyes, not their minds, just their hearts. But we understand, you know, out of the hearts comes good and wickedness. Mm -hmm. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that means repentance. They put their faith in Christ. This is why it says only in Christ, that is someone that started discipleship in Christ, mm-hmm. the veil is taken away. So once they, in faith and belief, they confess Christ is the Messiah and start the discipleship process, that's what it means to turn to the Lord. That's when the veil is taken away. Yep. Now it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen and hallelujah.
1: Right. And who is the Lord? I'm I'm, I'm getting gathering that maybe you're not sure, or...
0: What are you talking about? It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This it's is Jesus of Nazareth. Lord. Okay, That's well, let's is. Go to Only in 18, Christ. Let's go to Anyone who 18, turns one. to... Th- okay. And we, who with unveiled faces, that means they've returned to Christ, they turn to the Lord, they believe in Jesus, all reflect the glory of the Lord, are being, active, present tense, are being transformed into His image, right? Because they're discipling after Him with right. intensifying glory. It means they're getting better and better at their discipleship, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
1: Right. So if yes. they, if we're talking about Moses in verse 13 and 14 and him wearing a veil because he is viewing the glory of the Lord and he's glowing and then in verse 18 we're talking about beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are being changed into the same image from glory to glory and he says the veil's taken away well the veil stood between what to subject and object in Exodus
0: it was about their unbelief. They didn't want to see the veil shining.
1: The veil was between the Lord and Moses. The veil was between the Lord and Moses. No, no, and it wasn't. Says, the veil was the veil's, for the people. The, the veil was away. for the people. Oh, right. Cause he was without a veil when he spoke. That's right. You're right. And so we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed from into the same image from glory to Glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so you're saying, and I'm okay with that, because I believe that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And I make no distinction between the two. I, I can interchange, and actually the Scripture multiple times interchanges the Spirit of God with the Spirit of Christ.
0: Okay, let me, let me share this with you real quick while we have you in this mindset, right? And you're trying sure. to find who the Spirit is. So in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, are we both in agreement that the Spirit dropped on that day and poured out gifts of the mm-hmm. Spirit? Okay. Right. So if you on screen here, it we have in this moment, Peter is trying to explain to the crowd he's preaching to, verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life, which we are all witnesses. Exalted that then to the right hand of God, that's when he got his priesthood, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So, yes, the promised Holy Spirit is we that's why Hebrews 8 says we have the deposit. Now we don't have the fullness thereof. Yeshua already at his resurrection and ascension, he received the fullness thereof. And that's how he has the ability to give it out as he chooses in his position Mm -hmm. of high priest. So So it's it's right for Second Corinthians to say where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. For the Lord right. is the Spirit because He has the and power is to the command Holy God's power. Pa- I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to answer you right now. Okay, Yeshua okay. has been given, as I just read on screen, Yeshua has been given the power and authority to command the Spirit of God, so that the gifts of the Spirit can be given to men, irrevocable.
2: Okay,
0: this is a function of the priesthood. So this is this is why that passage can call Yeshua the Lord. And say the Lord is the Spirit. So whenever you see the effects of the gifts of the Spirit happening, he's he's directly attributing that to those who've turned to Christ because Christ is responsible for dropping the Spirit to them. So this Christ is the, process. is the
1: Holy Spirit then?
0: No, I said, just as okay. I, I have it on screen for brother. Okay. I'll read it again. It's verse 33, exalted then to the right hand of, the, of God. He has received, that means he received something he didn't previously have. He received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. It has poured out what you now see in here.
1: Right. So in this one, you're saying the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Father. Is that right? What I
0: initially said at the very beginning when you asked me what's the Holy Spirit, I said it's the power of God that moves throughout creation, depending on the context. In some cases, you have to look at the Hebrew. It's referring to an actual angel because it calls him a set-apart spirit that goes and does things. But at other times, in the New Testament context, you're specifically speaking to the gifts of the Spirit, where the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues, the gift of other things start happening, that is a direct result of the priesthood of Yeshua being in a position and having received the fullness. Imagine having full access to amazing powerhouse where he can tap into the power lines of God's power and then drop that on the earth to mankind in different types of gifts. Right. So So you're saying
1: that the priesthood of Yeshua is active right now because yes. he brought sent forth the Holy Spirit, and so this priesthood of the new covenant. No, that's not the qualifier
0: for his. No, no, I'm, that's <laughs> not the. Okay, <laughs> that's not the qualifier for okay. his priesthood. His priesthood was promised to him in Psalm one one through four. This right. is always promised to the Messiah is that he would become a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And Hebrews five tells us exactly how and why he earned that priesthood. Through what he suffered, he then was glorified and given. A eternal priesthood in the order of Melchizedek. So one of the functionary benefits of that priesthood is he has access to God's Spirit, the power of God's Spirit, and can give it to mankind as he chooses. Okay, and I do believe
1: that that's an interesting thought because the Holy Spirit is an agent of yod heh vav Hey, and yet is yod heh vav Hey in my view so not trying to argue here with you but that yeshua is also an agent i think you would agree of yod he vav yet yeshua being an agent of the of yod he vav sends the agent of yod he vav he the holy spirit so now you've got two agencies working together i'm not an trying to confuse this an I'm, agent is is
0: not that's not the definition of an agent an agent is someone that actively speaks the words of the person given to him
2: okay
1: yeah Let, so let's it's go a, it's a over secondary
0: the, character just like in Galatians two one. Okay, all, all I I love that and, and definition
1: because we're gonna right. if I get if I get a chance if you let me, I'm going to where I was trying to go is looking at the Holy Spirit and the functions and roles of the Holy Spirit. Um. The Holy Spirit acts as a mediator, a helper, in Ephesians two eighteen. It says that the Holy Spirit is a mediator. He gives us access to the Father. And you can go ahead and bring that up if you would, if you would. Okay,
0: I have it here on the screen.
1: For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And so the access okay. to the Father is through the Holy Spirit. And so yet, we could agree what that about Yeshua, this passage. What about I feel this like passage I makes you think? I'm not getting to finish any. I thoughts. apologize,
0: but you're you're making a you're making a statement here that I have to challenge real quick because you're going under the presupposition
1: that verse 18 is referencing the Holy Spirit and not the Son. No, the Holy Spirit and the Son are both mentioned in that scripture, and in that scripture, um, through Yeshua. Or through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. And so I'm focusing on by one spirit. We have access to the father by or through one spirit. And so I'm looking at focusing on the one spirit that gives us through which we have access. Okay. that's um, fine.
0: and what I'm what I was trying to say earlier about distinguishing the context and, and the definitions of terms and what they mean. This is I'm we even started an hour and 20 minutes ago. We started trying right. to define the difference between the earthy and the spiritual. That's why I specifically asked you specific questions about does God have a body and what is that? Is that spiritual body? And I said the scriptures directly tell us that there's a spiritual body and then there's an earthy body. We are promised to be resurrected and given a spiritual body.
2: Right.
0: So the father and the son and all the angels had a spiritual body. The son derobed his spiritual body and became a man of flesh. This is first yeah. Timothy 316, the mystery right. of godliness. and how right. he, even while in the flesh did not sin. And then he's resurrected back to his spiritual body. Mm-hmm. This is what Romans chapter eight tells us directly.
2: Right.
0: He's quickened into a glorified spiritual body. So then the same person that wrote Romans, the same person that wrote 1 Corinthians, and the same person that wrote Ephesians, Paul, he tries to now tell us this high priest of Israel who has a spiritual body now is a spirit being now. He's no longer just a man of the flesh. He now has a fleshly spiritual body. It's a different type of ontology. This is why Thomas can touch him in his rib or touch his hands and see his scars, but at the same time, he can disappear and walk through walls. It's right. a different type of creation. It's, it's totally a to new creation. I have no so the, problem the, with that. The right. point of what I'm saying is all this to try to give you some background, some some foundational understanding for the different types of bodies in all of creation. There's no third option. There's no other option explained in all of creation. You either have a spiritual body or you have a fleshly body. The fleshly body is bound for death and decay. The spiritual body is designed to live forever. But right. it still can be destroyed in the lake of fire. So the spiritual body is... They're called spirit beings. The translator in this passage decided to translate this word capital S.
1: Do angels and demons have spirit bodies?
0: Yes, they do, brother. This is what I just tried to explain to you. Okay. That's why in Psalm 104, it says that the angels are ministering spirits of fire.
1: Right. Now, I I have tried. I know I've interjected here and there, but there have been periods of time where I've just sat and listened to you and tried to let you finish thoughts. I'm hoping I can do that.
0: You've, you've done that quite a bit tonight, brother. Okay. I'm sorry if you don't feel that way, but at the same time, like well, I want to discuss not, I don't want like 20 minutes of us preaching at each other. Cause that's not yeah. good for the audience to learn.
1: I gotcha. I, yeah. I feel like maybe uh, I'm not getting as much chance, but that could be, right. I could be wrong. So um, if I could go, just make a few statements without, and I understand the interjections. Maybe you could jot down the question so that I can complete a thought. That is all I'm
0: asking for. This is our first time to talk, so I'm still learning. Okay, when we're done with your thought.
1: Does that make sure, sense? sure? Sure, sure. Okay, no, fair enough. Um, okay. I, I'm looking at John, let's pull up John 15 26.
0: Okay, are, are we going to acknowledge the Ephesians 2 concept that I just tried to break down?
1: Which part that, um, did you hear anything? I mean, respectfully, no, did I did, I just but I we we've kind of run around in a circle. And now by this no, I time, I right gave you right very now, clear
0: and concise. Consi- I tried to build the foundation to understand the differences and why this language is using the word spirit by one spirit. Yeah, human. no, I heard you even goes all the way back up to verse 16, the reconciling concepts.
1: are mm-hmm.
0: Reconciled through a process. The father outlines through a priest in a temple, that priestly position was granted by Yeshua because he sacrificed his body to get to that position and do our ministering for us. This is also the fulfillment in verse 17 of Isaiah fifty-seven nineteen. He came to preach to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. It's a prophecy yeah. about the son. So we know that this is all in the context of the son. So therefore, in verse 18, by the time it says, for through Jesus, the son, for through him, we believers both have access to the father. Right. By one spirit. Right. Right. And that spirit is the resurrected, glorified Yeshua. This isn't talking about the Holy Spirit here. It's talking about the spiritual body of our Lord and Savior. Okay.
1: okay. Well, hopefully, we'll get to a scripture where you may agree that it's the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, we I'm already talked
0: to, about it previously.
1: I'm willing to not, you know, beat a dead horse over something we disagree about. That's fine. Let's go to John 15 26. you want me to read it or
0: do it says uh when the advocate comes whom i will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify about me and you also must testify because you have been with me from the beginning
1: okay so okay this spirit proceeds from the father i would ask you who this spirit is
0: this is this is the gift of the holy spirit of god that he gets to send to mankind in my understanding
1: Okay, so this the, is the Spirit the of Truth Spirit, who
0: proceeds from the Father. It's not now
1: the Spirit of Christ here? Or oh, is it?
0: I, this is why, you know, brother, this is where I'm struggling, because I just spent um, I just spent quite a bit of time just a minute ago trying to exegete Acts chapter 2 to explain the process of how Yeshua has access to the Spirit of God. So okay. it's in the same vein as we have here in verse 26. Right. advocate whom I will send to you from the Father.
1: Right. Okay, so my,
0: Peter in my, Acts 2 directly tells us Jesus, who was exalted at the right hand of the Father, received the promised Holy Spirit, whom we now see pouring out on us.
1: Right. So my my main point in this verse is not the fact that Yeshua sends this Spirit. My main point of this verse, if you would let me get to it, is that the function of the Spirit that is sent through Yeshua Um he That's proceeds exactly
0: what I said, brother.
1: Okay, he proceeds from the Father. Who else proceeds from the Father besides the Spirit of Truth? I'll let you answer. Go ahead, brother. Let's go to um okay. First of all, before we do that, what's what's the what's the Holy Spirit function here? He testifies about who?
0: About Yeshua. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the Holy Spirit is testifying of Yeshua sent by the Father. So He's sending an agency, which is himself, to testify of Yeshua. So in this role, we actually see who, who the Father will send in my name, and Yeshua is sending him, and the agency being sent is the same as the one sending him, and he is testifying of Yeshua, and what I'm trying to say here in in the point let's let's go to john 537 before i complete that thought i want to go i want to show a couple other things here
0: did you want me to answer any of those questions or, or i uh, I'd, like, I'd
1: like to reserve to being able to just compare these verses together and then where
0: where do you want to go now
1: john 537
0: okay All right, so we have a John 5.37, and it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word abide in you, because you do not believe the one
1: he sent. Okay, so here the Father is testifying of the Son, and in John 15.26, the Holy Spirit was testifying of the Son.
0: What? When did the Father testify of the Son?
1: When? Well, we yeah. have the one example. I mean, I think there's probably many ways he's done it, but we have the example of the baptism of Yeshua.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that the father's voice or was that an angel's voice?
1: A voice from heaven.
0: Was that the father's voice or was that an angel's voice?
1: Well, unless the angel has a son named Yeshua... that's the point of
0: agency brother I mean, the very passage you have on screen for me to read it literally says in the passage you've neither heard his voice nor seen his form
1: Mm -hmm. so I am you
0: understand that agency works for angels who are sent to relay a message from the father and they speak that message as if they're the father because that's the point of an agent that's literally the definition of an agent
1: let's go to John 8 18 to finish this comparison okay Basically, it's just kind of redundant, but it's I am one that bears witness of myself and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. Um, The Holy Spirit bears witness of him. Is the Holy Spirit a second witness or is it the same witness? It appears that he's sent by the Father and he bears witness of the Son. Um, I I would point out, too, that Yeshua said it is for your benefit that I go away I'm paraphrasing because I'm not there in the scripture because if I do not go away um, the Holy Spirit will not come how be it when the comforter or actually in the Aramaic the deliverer is the word there and it, and it's actually one that comes along the side to aid or to help um, or to deliver when he has come he will convict the world of sin I'm Throwing a few different verses. He'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is an agency of God, which he uses to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. He testifies of the Son.
0: He does. Are you making a case for the Spirit of God having a body?
1: I'm making the case for the Spirit of God being an agency, and the agency... Is the one who sent the agency because you, uh-huh. I, you know. Let, let me let me put it this way. There's, and I'm sure you've seen it. Who knows? You're such a good mem guy. You might have put this one out before. But there's a there's a mem out there that says that shows Yeshua down on his knees praying, and he says, "Hello, Father, are you there? It's me, you." And uh, this whole explanation of how they would try to say is very silly. That he sent his own son to testify of himself to about himself that he would mediate between himself. But yet we see the Holy spirit, which is the father being sent and testifying and convicting and being the one that gives us access to the father. How does the Holy spirit give us access to the father? And yet he is the father
0: through the priesthood of Yeshua. He's not the father. It's the power of the, I've already tried to address your question, um, but I don't, Think you're accepting my answer, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay, sure, it's there's a we, process involved that's outlined for us in scripture. We,
1: we see the Holy Spirit called the deliverer or the comforter, and then like the advocate and in, in, interesting enough, or advocate, right? Helper, mm-hmm. and yet we see Yeshua say, When I go and I send the comforter, he says, I love this word, he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So he says, I'm going to send the spirit of truth. And he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Basically calling himself the Holy Spirit that was going to be sent. And so that's if if you you
0: imply that if you you don't don't recognize it that way,
1: that the son is a manifestation of the father and also used interchangeably with the Holy Spirit. Um, When we look at, uh, let me let me go in here in
0: another verse. It, you talked about the Father and the Son sitting on next to each other, right in heaven, mm-hmm.
1: Sitting on the right hand of God, right.
0: Is that two characters or is that one?
1: There's one being. God can. When, how are
0: you defining the word being?
1: When you have one entity, I I don't believe. And how are you defining the word entity? Entity, one person, one. uh so there's being, there's one person and beings. One being, right?
0: What? How are you defining the word being?
1: How is there a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, and yet the Holy Spirit is descending in the form of a dove, yet the Holy Spirit is him?
0: That's not what the text says.
1: It doesn't say what? That the Holy Spirit's the Father?
0: The text tells us we get a deposit of God's Spirit and that comes through the priesthood of Yeshua. I read the verses on screen for you earlier mm-hmm. um, for the sake of the audience. The audience is kind of getting lost at this point. So I'm going to just have to respectfully sure. ask you to watch this back later for the answers I gave you Okay. because right now we're kind of going in circles and uh, we're already here at two hours. So right. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that uh, it, I do not know if you wanted, cause we've been trying to, to break down the, the sure. concept of the God of God, the father and God, the son. So, mm-hmm. Now it sounds like you're making, to me, it sounds like you're making a case, a classical Trinitarian case for a third person of the Holy Spirit. No, because they talk, they the, brother, let me hear me out for two seconds. They, they sure. say the same thing that you're saying. I've had interviews with them. You should watch my right. channel sometime. They literally call it three gods and they wrap it and they say, there's three persons, but there's one God. This is right, how so they I, describe it. You're, you're so saying there's, that way. there's two persons. And there's one god but then when i say is there's two people on two thrones you say no no there's just one person on the throne it's just and i'm like now you're now you're making a case for a third person as one being and (laughs) i'm not calling a
2: person
0: yeah okay so this is another another problem that i've run into with classical trinitarians is they also can never stick to a single definition of terms I say, is it a godhead? Is it a moniker for family? Is it an individual? Is it a person? Is it a character? They don't like any of the terms. I haven't jumped I say terms defi- at all. I haven't I say define being, and they can't define term. being. I'm still waiting for a definition of you for what, being, a, what a being is. The what's thir- a thir- living
1: thir- being? It's it's a cognitive. You're a being. I'm a being. I, okay. my brother, I'm asking you spirit-
0: directly. Can you explain your idea of the Father and the Son, both being God as one being, but yet yeah. two different manifestations?
1: Right. Now, can I explain it?
0: Yeah. Can you can you give me—you've a, a, tried to use earlier, you tried to use the idea of water, that if you have water in a glass and pour more water in a glass, it's still all water, but there was two different Two different types, two different time periods when water went into that glass. It's not a one to one correlation of what the scriptures describe as a single almighty, never loses the almighty status, father, and then a son who's sent to do a job, who Uh then gives homage back to the almighty. That's what the scriptures describe as a father and a son. He sends his son. The son tells us to pray to the father. The son worships the father in his priesthood position in the heavenly temple. There is no one being. There's two different characters. So I'm asking you, if you don't believe that. Exactly. So I'm asking you, can you actually define what you mean when you say that they're both God, but they're one Mm -hmm. being?
1: Right. So, I'm not saying they're different persons. I'm saying that God, when God appeared as a burning bush, is that the form of God or is that a separate no, form of God?
0: The, it, it's as if the bush was on fire. It literally, the text literally tells you there's an angel speaking to Moses in the bush. The angel is called a ministering flame of fire. He's standing in the bush. So the bush looks like it's on fire, but the bush literally wasn't being burned up. So the bush isn't actually on fire. It's an angel in His flaming okay. glory standing there.
1: Well, let's find one that you might agree is the um, is the Creator. Um, when Isaiah, maybe this one you will, uh, when Isaiah says, I um, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on His throne, was that a different form of how God sits in heaven, or was it the exact form? If it's the exact form, how then did He live?
0: What do you mean, how did he live? I believe God has a spiritual body. This is what scripture directly tells us eyes, yeah. nose, beard, legs, both father and the son. So, so what he said, do you mean? No how man did he can live?
1: see me and live, but it's it a vision. It
0: was a vision, brother. They he saw didn't physically God. see him in the flesh. It was a okay. vision given to him.
1: Yeah. Exodus, they saw God.
0: Elohim. They saw Elohim. Exodus twenty four right. ten. Because right. angels were on the mountain. Galatians three nineteen. Hebrews two one and A- Acts seven fifty three. Angels right. were on the mountain mediating to you. Know, angels are called Elohim. This is what we try to define as God, is one of the other uses of the term Elohim in the Hebrew. We defined this earlier. Okay,
1: let's let's try this. Um, where did you
0: understand that that
1: expo- that answer? I, I, I do understand what you're saying. I do. I I, I disagree. Let me ask you this because I'm trying to understand okay. where you're coming from. We read in in the beginning was the word he was there, not that he was created. Do you have any verse in all of scripture that speaks of a point of origin or a beginning of the sun?
0: No, I, I, you. I would definitely suggest watching uh, my channel more um, from That's time. That's not to an time. answer it's, to my question. I I said no, I said no, and then I followed it up with okay. Oh, okay. I would suggest because we've explained this. No. Okay. We've explained this in great detail that there's no so scripture.
1: No scripture to back up that he has a point of origin. And yet you're saying that he does. I haven't
0: That's, even brought that up this whole two hours. Where is this
1: coming from? I'm trying to understand what your. Uh, since you believe he's a separate God, I'm trying to figure out where he came from. Is he eternal? Does Brother, he can, can, can
0: I get can I get you to acknowledge that I define the word God according to Scripture? Let me put it on screen for you. There's an actual definition for this, and sure. it's literally listed in the concordances. We've got to start using the definitions of words, right? So give me okay. just one second, and let me put this on screen for us. Uh, this is...
1: In fairness... I tried to give a definition of God earlier and I never got to it.
0: Respectfully, I don't I don't need your personal interpretation. I was let's use the scriptural
1: definition of the word God, okay? I'll put okay. it on the screen for us. Okay. I was in the middle of trying to give a scriptural understanding of that.
0: There, No, there's an actual definition. It's not about your understanding of it. There's a definition given to us right. literally by the by the lexicons and the text. I'll put it on the screen for everyone to look at. Yeah. This is Elohim. God, if you're speaking about the almighty God, if you're speaking about God, the son. God, it's all Elohim. Just depends on the context of usage. It could be talking about the father, the son, the angels, demons or judges of men. It literally says in all the lexicons, the the Brown drives, the Brown, uh, the BDB, the NASB, the Strong's lexicon, Thayer's Greek, all of them define the Elohim and the Theos and the Hebrew and the Greek as the same idea, multiple understandings of the word of divine beings, rulers, God, gods, goddesses, or judges or mighty ones. It depends on the context. We have to start using the definitions of terms and not just one idea and blanket over the entire of scripture the father the almighty this is literally why in exodus chapter six he reveals himself to moses and says the former patriarchs before you didn't i did not reveal my name but to you i let you know I'm, he reveals his name right he says to the former patriarchs i just call myself the almighty so okay. we know that there's an almighty right that's not the son so well, in Exodus in, 6 the same in angel that's speaking to Moses in Exodus calls 3 calls himself the almighty that's not the Son. It's in an Revelation angel of God. He,
1: in Revelation chapter 1 he's called the almighty. I believe it's verse 8.
0: You know, do you know how many people are speaking in Revelation? We could see who's speaking. Huh? No, I, can, I think I'm, it's pretty clear. Well, I'm asking you um, a specific question here because this is something... Oh, we really
1: have to- we have a few different... It's on the that- screen right here.
0: Okay. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, two characters. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon come to pass. And I, I don't like these translations because technically that Greek word soon is the word tacos, which means what will come to pass quickly in a mm-hmm. short chronological time period. Sure. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Okay, so God the Father gave a message to his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wanted to give it to his servants, and he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Mm -hmm. So who's this message originally coming from?
1: From God through his angel to John.
0: From God the Father to Jesus Christ to the angel to John. Right. Right. Four, four people mentioned in, in Revelation 1.1. Sure. Absolutely. It's the word of God. What is the testimony? Is a testimony the original message, or does it testify to the original message? What's a testimony? Verse, verse 2, who testifies to everything he saw. This is the word of God and the testimony. Two characters. The word of God is the message. The testimony is Jesus Christ validating the message, just like Jesus did in John 17.16. He said, nothing I say or teach is my own. It's what I heard and seen from the Father. His doctrine is not his own. He repeats what the father says. He is the, the testimony of the father. Like a good son is right. He's learned mm-hmm. from his dad and he repeats what his dad says. The word of God is the initial origination of the message. The testimony, which is Jesus Christ is him validating that message. So when we get down into verse eight and it starts talking in descriptions, it gives you right here in the passage. It calls in verse five, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. That's what a mm-hmm. testifier is. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Sean Murphy, this could easily say the God of the kings of the earth right here, if you if you translated it that way. That's the same definition of the word ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and has released us from our sins by his blood, who made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God. So this is directly telling us Jesus Christ has a God, and it's the Father.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But there's only Therefore, one guy. verse eight. Okay,
0: okay. So again, I'm going to well, put okay, this back. This will be the things. last time I, as a courtesy brother, this will be the last time I do this for, for your sake. I'm going to put this back on screen. I want you to take a minute to look at it. Okay. This is the definition of the word. Yeah. God.
1: It's, it's if we have time, I'd love to go into that. It's, one.
0: It's Greek in the, in the, in the, in the Greek it's called theos. Right. So I would strongly encourage, just take your time with this. and study uh, the I the have studied
1: that word more than you can imagine.
0: Then why have you misused it this entire two hours?
1: How have I misused it? That's... You,
0: you, you continue every time we mention Jesus Christ as ruler of the kings of the earth, and that is a term for God. And this is what Psalm 45, 6 and 7 references. Is it, is it you say, you is go it back to saying there? there's
1: one God. Is it Theos or Eloah there in did, where it says the rulers Jesus of the kings of the earth? Because you're telling me it's God. Did is Jesus that say or, that there's one true God?
0: There's one true God. Isn't that awesome? So then, what does that
1: mean? So that so means when, if you have Jesus as a separate lesser God, you have two gods, and so that's called a true
0: God. What do you think? That so, Yeshua is a
1: false God.
0: Now, now you're just now you're just starting no. to slur.
1: It's not a slur. You're telling me there's only one true God. That, so Yeshua is not a true God. I,
0: I've, I've, I've patiently and lovingly tried to give you the definition of the word as it's given to us in Scripture,
1: right. with examples,
0: with examples. So we have Paul and Yeshua calling the Almighty the one hey, true God.
1: Let's stick with this text. Let's go on to verse eleven, and Sean, then here's let's see
0: who well, he sees standing behind
1: him. It says, "I Sean. turned to see him that spoke with me." Sean. And let's see who he sees.
0: Brother, you're a guest on my show. It's not good etiquette to okay. just try to ignore when the host is talking to you about something. I'm, say, not. Well, let's, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm just going to ignore you. Let's go talk.
1: No, about but here. I, in all fairness, I, I wanted to go through this and we're not getting to. Go through what? This portion of Revelation 1.
0: I had it on screen for you.
1: We didn't and get it then, very and far.
0: Then, and then when we broke down Jesus and the father. Two different characters you said yeah there's just one god
1: right right because god can appear in many forms and in divers manners right yeah. in spoken times past he's he's not limited in that box that we might people might limit him i i look at here he says i was in the spirit i want to just remember the verbiage of what the description of the speaker is in verse eight is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And then in verse 10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot. And, and And as we go into that description, his hair is white as wool, White as snow, his eyes are as a flame of fire. This is referring right back to things that we see the description of in the Old Testament. And it's clear that it's and the Daniel. sun. It's clear that it's the sun. So he's taking the exact same title. If you want to argue that verse 8 is speaking you mean of you mean someone separate. Where it says,
0: you mean in verse 10 where it says, on the Lord's day I was in the spirit? Right. So, okay, so
1: after we... Verse 11 specifically, though, is really where I'm comparing 11 and 8, where both say, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, one says at the beginning and the end. And then he says, I turn to see the voice of him that spoke with me. And he clearly defines it that he's not seen an angel now. He's not seeing the father. He has seen the son who uses the exact same titles of deity. And we know those are titles of deity because we go into Isaiah chapter 44, I believe it is, verse 6. Brother, and God who? uses those first and the last, beginning and the end. They are the very titles of deity um, from the Old Testament. And Yeshua yep, yep. assumes titles of deity.
0: Okay. okay. Who Whose message is this from?
1: The... Who the message is from isn't going to change who he saw. Yes, it
0: does. If you're talking about agency, this is the the case you've been trying to build for the last hour. You're talking about agency, and Yeshua is an agent of the Father. Uh Who's the message from that Yeshua is repeating the message from? The Father. Okay. So when the message starts out with explaining the Father, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty, in verse 8. And then okay. Jesus goes on to say other things. That's, that's how agency works. That's exactly how agency works. It, it literally defines it at the beginning. The first point of context in the entire book of Revelation tells you this message came from God, the father, the almighty gave it to his son, Jesus Christ, who then gave it to an angel to turn and talk to John. That's step one, but look quickly in verse 10. What does it say to us? On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. What does that mean to
1: you? That He was probably in some form of uh, communion with God on the Sabbath is how I would understand. Do you believe
0: that. that? Do you believe that the the I agree with you that verse twelve is talking and describing the the son of, the Son of God, right, Jesus Christ. I'm trying to say to you, do you understand when, when prophets, John was a prophet, when they get visions, it's called, they, they are in the spirit. This is that terminology in the old Testament.
1: Do you agree with that? I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying that as agency of the father, when he's speaking, he's not speaking of himself. You're saying, but that you're saying he's speaking of for the father and that but but it's yes. interesting because
0: so he, the agent also can talk
1: he did he didn't present it as a message that was from the father but i know yes, you're referring back to verse
0: 1 yes he does literally does it literally tells you in the very beginning opening words literally the first 15 words tells you this is from okay. the father
1: god well let's finish a little comparison there's only two other verses i think it is in the book of revelation that uses the exact same verbiage let's go to those Revelation chapter 21, verse five and seven. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, so now it's the one sitting on the throne talking here. He says, write for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And then we've got one more, which is in Revelation 22.
0: You think that's Jesus speaking, don't you?
1: Let's go see who is speaking. Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, my reward is with me to give every man according to his, as his work shall be, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and there he assumes all three titles of deity, And he says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loves and makes a lie, I, Jesus, Yeshua, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. And so now we clearly have an agency sent by Yeshua. This is Yeshua's agency
0: oh really so we're ignoring That's, verse one of revelation is that what we're doing
1: this is this is another uh, a different conversation it's no, in it's the not. book of revelation
0: it's given and, to john
1: and to he says i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you of these things i am the root and the offspring of david the bright and the morning star and so there i just feel like it's so clear that yeah the Alpha what was Obeiders revelation one one clear What's that? Why wasn't
0: chapter Why wasn't this verse clear in Revelation one one? It it was why, clear to me. It was clear to me. Is it clear to you that God gave it Jesus is. the message to go tell the angel? Right,
1: because I feel like every verse that I would show you where Yeshua is addressed as God, that you would just say that that's just agency, brother. That's just no. I didn't. I already
0: defined it multiple times tonight. I feel I said, like God is is a word. It just ruler.
1: becomes a deflect all. No, it's not. I've actually uh, given you definitions tonight. It's a theological uh, tactic. No, to, it's
0: not. I've given you definitions tonight. Any place
1: that, I, you that we show that he is Sean? deity, we Sean? we see that you say it's agency. Sean? And I, and we've shown Sean? that the Holy Spirit is an agency. Yes, sir.
0: Sean, how many times do I have to tell you that I believe God is divine and has deity and that Jesus is God?
1: See, you have redefined deity And you actually deny the deity of Yeshua because you believe he's a created being.
0: When did I say that tonight?
1: You didn't say it tonight, but I've watched Uh, some of your videos.
0: But you apparently haven't listened very well, honestly. So you may have watched to try to find things to poke at, but you actually haven't watched to learn or understand because you keep asking the same question. Even tonight as we talk face to face, you ask the same questions over and over, but you're not really listening to what I'm saying, nor do you really care to comprehend what I'm saying. No, well, Actually, I, let me go ahead and just for the sake of the audience, let me go that's ahead and right, put this back on the, the bottom banner. Um, there's multiple definitions for the word God in Scripture, and the lexicons agree. The scholars agree yeah. with the definition of these words and their use in different contexts. So okay. for anyone in the audience, r- respectfully, Sean, you and I have talked about this multiple times tonight. We'll, we'll probably need to wrap this up. We're right here at two and a half hours. Sure. But for the sake of the audience... Just to let you guys know, I want to highly encourage you guys to look into the definition of God. As you've seen us do these conversations, we try to lovingly share the definitions of terms and their multiple uses in the context and different examples in Scripture, defining the process, the hierarchy, and how those definitions fit with that story narrative. Right. All of it gets ignored, and we still get called heretics. So no, and
1: I, and I actually is, haven't. I haven't used those words with you tonight. So Okay. I, I don't know not, why not I you mean, haven't used it
0: in my to my face, but you I used actually it on didn't media. use that word in the post. Okay. So, so in the post you actually called me a wolf and a false prophet. No, I so never called where
1: you, where you a wolf. You, I you I shared Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so here's what let's you
0: you literally shared information calling me a wolf and a false prophet because you disagree with our teaching. So as a result of this, I invite you to come on and have a conversation where we could flesh out some of these ideas. Um, you wanted to have two different full, you know, two or three hour broadcasts, but I, unfortunately my initial inclination was right, which was there'd be no point in having multiple broadcasts with you because we can't get through one broadcast to where the, the, the verses I put on screen matter. It doesn't seem to matter this is the unfortunate reality of the situation. I wish that we could actually have a situation. I wish that we could, we could walk through this in a situation where you say, you know what? Oh man. Um, That's a verse that directly contradicts what I've been saying this whole time. Maybe I want to speak better about my brother in Christ, but instead you continue in the same attitude and I, this is why, okay. unfortunately, I, I see only this attitude from people who believe in Trinitarian ideas, whether it's classic or oneness, which you're, you're described yourself as oneness.
1: Well, can I ask you, let's 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 talk about that for a second. Can I can ask you a question. Am am I being unloving? If I were to say that I don't believe that Islam is compatible with the God of Israel or the or the God revealed in the Bible. Am I being mean-spirited? And even if I said that I don't believe that they are in the same faith that I am, is there a place for me to say that without being unloving? I haven't tried to demonize you. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, make you into something. I, I, I will admit, and I do this in love, I would admit that according to my understanding and you And what I understand your view of the atonement to be your view of not being in the new covenant yet and your view of the deity. I would say that we aren't brothers in the same way that I would say I'm not brothers with a Mormon. But for you to paint that as me being I I love you as a a person and as someone that I want to be in the kingdom with me.
0: Okay, if you if you love me, I want to encourage you. And how you can show that love to a person who you don't think is a brother, okay. who you think is a is a wolf and a false teacher, because that's literally the words you shared. How I, about I, I you actually that. learn what they teach so that you okay. can understand it and comprehend it? Because I, I, my, even as even I, I'm going to finish, just go ahead. Okay.
1: I have I have been trying to understand what you're teaching. I've been watching right. your videos. So
0: before, before you understood a week ago when I asked you to this conversation, you didn't understand and you're still spreading slander about me. I was no, no. curious.
1: I watched your videos before that ever happened. I, I watched more of them this week, this is but the I first have time tried to understand all my me. guests,
0: brother. This is the first time in all of my guests where I'm, I'm having to mute you because you were literally in mid conversation multiple times tonight and you're just, you just jump in. So I, I get it. You want to talk. You feel like maybe you're being attacked right now. I just want to lovingly share with you. I'm not. If you if you fancy yourself as a disciple of Christ, tonight you've exhibited to me that you don't understand why Jesus was sent. You ignore the definitions of the differentiation between the Father and the Son, and you've now taken what you believe, and not knowing what I believe, and you've tried to publicly slander
1: me with no. love and zeal. By brother, the way. you're playing and the you're playing the victim here. You there's, are there's uh, no victim. You're you're there's gaslighting. No I I have been loving. your gaslighting.
0: So the point is, you're, you can, um, absolutely, because keyboard warrior is easy to do, right? So to my face, you definitely are going to be nice to me. But keyboard warrior, I never.
1: Keyboard you, you actually got my attention. Yes, you
0: did. You, yes, I, I, did yes, you did. yes you I did not. Yes, you actually slandered me in public with false descriptions of what we teach, sl- and you even repeated them tonight because you still haven't <laughs> learned what we actually talk about and teach. And when I tried to break it down for you and explain it to you, didn't seem to really you're doing well. you're doing classic
1: so, gaslighting you're making me look like a bad guy so that you look better and in in your show sure. so you truly are Anybody, think, i guess anybody i've only Ultimately, been respectful to you i have i my conscience is clear we have both okay. maybe interrupted each other a little bit that kind of happens in discussions where people disagree
0: it does i don't feel it like
1: it's been excessive on either side i don't i I wish thought I, it was earlier,
0: but now it's I wish okay. I could have
1: said more, but I think that I expect that that's kind of the way these conversations go, and I don't hold yeah. it against you.
0: Okay. So here's what I would encourage you to as you continue to walk out your discipleship with Christ. I do view you as a brother. I think you're highly misguided. I think that you've fallen into some really bad teachings. And I pray that the Father brings you understanding as you continue to search out his word pertaining to why his son is your Messiah and how he accomplishes salvation and resurrection for you. Because ultimately, you have then, because of your misunderstandings and the bad doctrines you've been taught, run around slandering your brethren, the Christ, who you don't even understand as your actually brothers. And I am not a bigger sad I a reality about this.
1: Saying I'm slandering you, I wish you. Yes, that's what it, me. it means when you misrepresent not, my teachings and who I am. I did not and call me a misrepre- wolf and slander. I have not misrepresented you, brother, and I haven't. And I yes did have, have. Called, I never really you a wolf. You, you need to go back and look because you'll.
0: Sean, when you share someone else's. Words that calls me a wolf, a slander, and a false teacher. Or excuse me, a wolf, a deceiver, and a false teacher. You're literally sharing those words as if they're yours. We just talked about agency, right? So this is what you. This is this is what brought this conversation up. Even though okay. two years ago I, 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 I asked you to come
1: your on perspective. There, go ahead. I'm agreeing with you. I can understand why you would feel that way.
0: So the point is, this is bad fruit, brother. If you think, if you say that you're a disciple of Christ, for you to look at other people who've dedicated their life to Christ and to his teachings, and you to say, because you disagree with the definition of the word deity or how you apply it in scripture, and they don't agree with you, that suddenly they're out of the faith. This is a extremely poor example. For you to walk around shouting that to other people about oh, this, and there's know, know, unfortunately it. there's people in the audience that also share your sentiments, and they are also very poorly walking out their discipleship in Christ, and they truly need to mature to a point of love and to understand, especially when you can't even define, define your own belief system. If I took a poll,
1: if you actually and this, I'm not this gonna do is this because I'm not turned trying to embarrass you ad hominem you. You right now, Has you it, are you are demonizing is it ad hominem. Me. It is it, when I, when I described the conversation, we you had, are in demonizing me, you're, you're demonizing me and making me seem like this unloving brother who attacked you. And honestly, I really feel like it's a mischaracterization and I'm not getting to really defend myself. Okay. I, I'm, I have respect. I have tremendous respect for you. How would you I like do. to
0: defend yourself? You've said that uh, you believe I'm not in the faith. You shared words about me calling me a wolf and a false teacher. How would you like to defend yourself now? Okay.
1: I don't want to defend myself. I'd like to correct uh, maybe this. And I see totally why you would feel the way you do. And maybe, and I probably wasn't sensitive enough. And I, and I apologize to you. There was an insensitivity. My, my main reason for sharing, I didn't want to share you're a wolf, you're this, you're that, and but attack you. But what and I and you defended it do, for two. Years, it was a it was a shared post. But on the other hand, I so did defend your words at that Agree, point. and I and I am apologizing for not clarifying. I do because I agreed you defended with defended
0: the, the post to me okay, for two days. I don't get you to defended see, those words. I don't so even all I'm get saying is now you're, you're being hypocritical to, if you're trying even, to say that you defended okay. those words, but now you don't agree with them. Is
1: that what you're saying? <laughs> Apparently, I'm not going to get to say what I want to say. And, I'm just and, trying to find consistency with you. And sir. if I interrupt you, you will say that I'm not respecting you. I don't know what to do here. I really don't. I, I apologize for not handling it better. I It wasn't my intention. I was merely wanting to share that people that hold these views are dangerous. Oh, okay. okay. And, so and that I, means you just, called, you just stand,
0: called 95% of the audience dangerous. Did you know I,
1: no, I, I think that there's more yes, than did. 95% that agree with you, brother. This, uh, I, I do, I do believe that the deity You're of Messiah, and, and defined as the one true deity, I do believe it is a line in the sand. I don't want to be unloving to you for disagreeing about it. I should be able to hold the viewpoint without it being offensive to you, just like if you believe that a Islamic person. Is not in the same faith, and you wouldn't call him a brother unless you're ecumenical. You should be able to do that. And you honestly, you should be able to tell me that you believe I'm a heretic, and I should be able to accept that that's your viewpoint and not even get offended. Like I said before, well, you're I mean, a everybody tonight, is somebody's heretic, right?
0: You're in a position tonight where um, I actually don't think that about you, like I've already right. said. But you know, times. it
1: makes. I'm sad because of the way you're portraying me. It's—I feel like there's a spin thing going on here. It—it's not, you're, Sean.
0: You have to. It's not good behavior on your part. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. All right. So um, tonight, as we um, as we end this broadcast, I just want to encourage you that uh, if you're if you're going to have a theological stance that you claim, you hold the right to judge. I am not judging. Yes, you absolutely are. see uh, if you if you're gonna pull a Romans 144 and judge another man's servant, which is what you do when you claim that I when you misrepresent me and you claim I deny the deity of Yeshua, even though I've explained it to you multiple times tonight and you misrepresent me and just and slander. Right. Do you realize in ancient Israel if you'd have came up to me in front of the judges and said, you deny Yahweh, they would have to inquire about me almost. Mm-hmm to the point of killing me this is why in leviticus 19 verses 18 and 19 it says do not go about slandering your brother do not take the life of your brother in your hands
1: i am not slandering you i am yes, not slandering you
0: when you misrepresent mips me and claim that i deny a prophet that yeshua is the prophet of god and that you're saying no. i deny who he was and who he, he- is now which is deity and your claim, and I deny that according to your bad definitions, you're slandering me into no. an attempted punishment of death. According okay, to the Okay, hold
1: on just a second here. Do you understand how this works? Did Do you, you under- did
0: you really study the law or just a couple of descriptions about brother?
1: That? Brother, brother, please. Um Paul talks about if there comes someone who preaches another Jesus.
0: Or no, another, yes. he talks about another,
1: another gospel. Gospel. No, there's a there's a, I can show you where he talks about another Jesus as well. In Galatians chapter two. That's gospel. We have and, talked
0: emphatically tonight about the okay. Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God who lived, died, and resurrected, mm-hmm. who's coming back as King and High Priest with the kingdom. We've talked Brother, emphatically about the God and His Son of the Bible.
1: Why there why is no
0: other description?
1: Why can't I believe that you? view another Jesus or another Yeshua and another, and I believe you have another gospel. Why can't I do that and not be accused of being unloving? Paul says, if anybody preaches any other gospel than what you've received, let him be a curse. That's not my words. You're, do I believe you fit in that? I do believe you fit in that category. It, I, okay. I, but no, I don't ma'am. say that unlovingly. I don't say that unlovingly. Me.
0: It's not about whether you're saying lovingly. It's It's hard words. It is here. No, it's not hard words because you're ignorant to the definitions of the words, brother. So lovingly to you, and this is not with cat cattiness or malice. Sure. Ignorant of the definitions of the words. And it's caused you to have a conclusion that slanders and condemns your brethren in the faith. You, my brother, I encourage you to learn the scriptures, learn the definitions of the word and repent of this bad behavior. This is, unscriptural behavior tonight if i were mean i would take a poll with the audience and in the comment section after this video and ask everyone to say did sean murphy explain his position he had two and a half hours to explain his position Sean murphy can, was he, can not he allowed articulate to explain
1: it? his position
0: you had two and a half hours to succinctly and at other times with great length expound about your position you can't even explain it And this is par for the course with everyone I've had on who, who agrees with your theology. They can't even Mm. explain it, but yet they're willing to condemn someone whom they disagree with. I am not condemning people for
1: disagreeing with me.
0: When you think that when you claim, which is slander, when you claim to me that I'm preaching a different gospel and a different Jesus, you are condemning me according to God's word. So this is why I say to you as patiently and lovingly as I can, I need you to wake up for a minute and repent because this is bad behavior tied to doctrine that's undefined. And this, and when you even try to define it in a few instances, it's incongruent with the words I had on screen for everybody to read. So we're going to end the show. Okay. Okay. I, I know you don't like how this went. I don't like if, how this went. Can I
1: throw a little shout out about my YouTube channel?
0: It's in the video description. Can and I people, should, people can go. We introduce can I make you. a
1: statement about the content? Go ahead. Okay. I have on my YouTube channel these very issues that we disagree with. I have two teachings on there that are uh, part one and part two. One's called, Who Do You Say That I Am? Part one. And Who Do You Say That I Am? Part two. And in that, I go into great depth on the word Elohim which I did not get a chance to do on this show. And that's all the reason I want to do it. And I go into the new covenant and I actually have a 14 hour series of the new covenant. And I'd love for everybody to weigh both sides of this. You, you have a following of people and I respect your people. I respect you, even though if it, I know either you feel I'm not, or you're trying to make it look like I'm not, I don't know what the truth is there. But I would like that everybody should search these things out because I feel this way that if we are in the new covenant and somebody's and we're not, convinced we're not, debating, we're not talking, that they're not in anymore. the we're new covenant, and they will die in their sins, brother. At this
0: point, you, I just said we're ending the show. I try to give you an opportunity to shout out your channel, even though I've already done it for you. I'm not, I'm not just going to let you keep preaching if you just literally called me not of the faith preaching a different gospel, which validates the whole reason that slanderous post that you shared, calling me a wolf, a false teacher and a prophet. I wish you well, brother. I hope that you can repent and we'll see you again next time. Maybe if you can change your attitude guys, um, I'm sorry that you had to see something like that. Um, but ultimately, um, i'm just sick of it i'm just absolutely sick of it i'm i'm sick of of trinitarians uh whether oneness theology or whether classic trinitarians thinking they have the right to judge other people's servants in the faith and and just run around condemning others of the faith and slandering them and slandering their their uh, genuine heart and slandering their their ideas on theology um while not listening to the clarification um and then just continue to think that that's validated and justified by the word when it's not. So these, you know, and to to everyone in the, in the, the live chat tonight that agrees with the gentleman I just had to boot off my show. I also, I also absolutely say, repent, repent from this attitude. It's horrific. Many of you in the live chat tonight were on that same post that he was, that he was talking about. And you were slandering me on that post as well. Call me a heretic, not of the faith, a false prophet, denying the deity of Yeshua. All of those are not accurate. All those are not true. So, you know, I'm just, we're going to, this is exactly what led to what our brother, Ken Heiderbrecht and I, a few nights ago, we did a whole show on classic Trinitarianism. And, and like we talked about in that show, it literally led to, Trinitarians at the Council of Nicaea physically assaulting people that disagreed with them. So, if it just stopped at, oh, yeah, we can agree to disagree, but they don't do that. They make it salvational, they make it to a point where you're dangerous. He literally called me dangerous. So, this is an attitude problem because it's associated with this incredible inflated sense of pride that their theology is so correct that they can stand in the place of the Messiah and judge someone's soul. It's just utter nonsense. So this is why guys, some of you, you may not like how this ended and I'm sorry, but at the same time, I gave him two and a half hours to come on and talk. You saw many times throughout that two and a half hours that the talk did not stay on a coherent level where I would ask him a question, show him a verse, and he responds. He wanted to jump to something else. So this is where I, I just I, I just only have so much patience for someone that holds an attitude of condemnation, but but wants to come on and preach at you and not actually have a discussion with you when you bring up points to discuss. I, I just really struggle with it. I do. I really struggle with allowing that person to just flourish and and act like nothing's wrong. They need to be called to the carpet for this type of behavior. Hopefully tonight, at least with some of the scriptural discussion you did see, you had a chance to see um, some, you know, in real time, some ways you would address some of the, some of the topics that were brought up um, by our brother in the faith, Sean Murphy. He brought up some topics, I tried to address them. But uh, I don't think he received my answers very well or even listened, honestly. So, and you got to see me and uh, address, not only have I, I addressed him privately in a message, but also in a public post, but you had to, to see me tonight, talk to someone that actually was slandering me, uh, misrepresent. Slander, in case you're not familiar, it means misrepresenting someone. And like like I tried to explain to him in, in the ancient Israel according to the law of God if you slandered somebody pertaining to something as serious as you know who God is or who his son is or who a prophet is if you rejected a prophet and you still wanted to stay in Israel that's a huge problem right so if you rejected Yahweh and wanted to stay in Israel the judges were supposed to kill you you could leave if you wanted to but if you wanted to stay there and corrupt everybody else with not believing in Yahweh then the this is that you you know it's considered rejecting the covenant that you went into, right? But if your brother comes up to you and tries to misrepresent you to get you in trouble, even unto death, that's why the passage is there. You're not to go about slandering your brother. In fact, it follows it up with, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. So this is a serious issue in the body of believers. And unfortunately, there's a lot of both classic Trinitarian and Trinitarian oneness teachers and crowds that run around propagating this mentality and this in this bad bad fruits and they tell people that believe this that it's okay to act like this it's not okay I don't want to come on here and have to act like a parent to a child that literally doesn't listen to you when you're trying to when you literally have words in front of them and you're like oh and they're like oh I disagree you can't you're not disagreeing with me literally the words are on the screen who are you disagreeing with so if that was just where it ended, you've seen me do other broadcasts where that's where it ends. They disagree with the words on the screen, and I'm like, okay, that's your thought. You can, you can believe whatever you want. But when they turn that disagreement into, and now I'm going to judge your soul. Now I'm going to slander your character, call you a wolf, a false prophet. I'm going to say that you're not of the faith, which is judging my soul. That's where I've got got boundaries. (laughs) I've got a line that gets crossed. And these Trinitarians leap over it with joyful glee because they've been told that this behavior is okay. It's not okay. I'm going to back kick you back across that line. It's not okay. You need to learn the word. You need to learn the definitions of the words in the word. And you need to soften your heart. I could have not had this brother on. I could have pulled up his YouTube channel and just filleted him open. I've watched his videos. I don't agree at all with what he proclaims and how he exegetes scripture. But instead, I want to have him on and have a conversation. So i tell you what I'll do. Um, we'll get about 10 or 15 minutes if you guys have any questions about some of the things we discussed tonight. I'll be glad to answer them. Um, you just have to put them in all caps in the live chat and, uh, I'll be glad to answer them. So, cause some of you guys may have brought up, you know, as we were talking tonight, um, whether something I said or something, um, Sean Murphy said, you may have a question about that. So I'll be glad to try to address them real quick. Thanks for the super chat. I appreciate that, brother. One of the moderators said her head hurts too much to think of a question. So guys, imagine if you, if you had to see this type of conversation in a church. Now, normally in a church, you've get, um, you just get the people ostracized. If Sean Murphy was a pastor of a church and I went to him with the questions that I had tonight and he gave me the lack of listening and the bad answers that he gave me tonight. And then I said, well, I don't understand that. And then that pastor said to me, well, you're questioning the diet of Yeshua. You're not of the faith. Do you think me as a a believer trying to learn the word would respond well to that message? Do you think I would stay at that church and want to get counsel from that pastor? So unfortunately, these are the conversations a lot of people have been kicked out of churches for. Like we talked about literally back in the third century AD, they're beating people up over this message because people said, I disagree with you. I I don't think the words mean that. I don't see the scripture saying that. They get so mad they beat the person up. So, and in the 15th century, they literally killed people over this. So, in the modern day, you just have people getting hurt and leaving the church because of such bad theology and bad uh, application of this theology. All right, we got a couple questions coming in. Um, Looks like, one second, I'm going to take this off screen. Where did that one go? Come on, my thing's not refreshing. Okay, here it is. Um, this is all right. Some something's going on in my live chat, but this is the first question I see. Uh, contract one is asking. Could Yeshua have been our high priest without his bloodshed? Technically, but that doesn't, that's not what was prophesied. He was prophesied to come and be martyred and be killed on a, you know, even to the point of Psalm 22, talking about them, you know, casting lots for his clothing and dividing his clothing up and pulling his beard out and, you know, and striking him and, Uh, obviously some Isaiah 53 talks about him being whipped. So all that was prophesied. The father knew what was going to happen when he sent his son to an adulterous generation, right? That was rejecting the father. So he knew what was going to happen. He prophesied what was going to happen. Um, so it's not about him literally having to have his flesh cut open. Like they could have just strangled him to death and he would have resurrected three days later and been made the priest of, of, the covenant. His priesthood doesn't have any correlation to literally him being hung by the manner of execution, of his blood being poured out. That was what was prophesied because the father who knows Isaiah forty two ten, he knows the end from the beginning. He knew if I send my son in this particular time period where the Romans are ruling Judea and their common method of execution is is the cross. Well, he's going to be crucified. So I'm going to tell you ahead of time, since I'm going to send him at that time, I know what kind of pain he's going to endure, what kind of manner of execution he'll be, he'll be martyred with, but the promise of him being raised to eternal life, Psalm 1610, and made a high priest forever, uh, Psalm 110, one through four, that stands alone as well, because that's a totally separate thing after he resurrects, after the cross, there's more to the story, which is something I asked our brother uh, earlier tonight, so hopefully that's a decent answer for you. All right, Um, Benaniah Fevot, I hope I said your last name right. Sorry about that. He's asking, um, what is Godhead as your interpretation? So that's going to be Revelation 1. It's the hierarchy of authority. So he is the fullness of the Godhead. This is what I talked about earlier. He, The Father, uh, Matthew 11 and Matthew 28, 19, the Father gave all authority in heaven and earth to the Son, but like we read from First Corinthians 15, 27, just in case anyone's confused, Paul tries to clarify, that does not mean that the Father made himself subjugated to the Son. So The Father is not included in the statement, all authority is given to the Son. All authority in heaven and earth is given to the Son. So the Father retains greater authority than the Son. That's what First Corinthians 15 directly tells us, verse 27. The father's retaining all authority. That's why he's always the almighty. But the decision-making, the power, the judgment, John chapter five, Jesus tells us the father doesn't judge anyone. He's given all judgment to the son. So the decision-making, the judgment of how is he going to lead the church, the ecclesia? How is he going to pour the spirit out into whom? The son has received that position of authority. And he can give out the spirit as he wills. He can command angels to go and do as he wills. And the father looks on and approves because the son earned that through what he suffered through his perfect obedience unto death. He earned that. This is what Hebrews 5, seven through 10 explains. So this is where we try to remind us that the, the Godhead is a reference to the authority structure to which the son, that's why he can have the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in his new resurrected body, even though he was A man, for a short time, now he's glorified again. He's got a new spiritual body. So in this new body, he has the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the authority making decisions, because remember, all authority in heaven and earth is given to him, but he doesn't have authority over the Father. The Father still retains the almighty status. So this is my uh, understanding of the Godhead. Yes, Travis, yes. Uh, Court, I'm not going to lump you in with uh, with our guest tonight. I'm not sure if you just joined the broadcast or if you watched from the beginning. But I will let you know that we've uh, probably about 10 times tonight, we've said that Yeshua is God. So if this is your understanding and how you formed your question, I highly encourage you to stop what you're doing, rewind to the beginning and watch this again, because maybe you were distracted maybe you got it on the background at work maybe you got kids playing at your feet and you can't really pay attention to everything we're saying maybe it's loud maybe you're you know who knows who knows the scenario but clearly if this is if this is your question you didn't watch tonight so i want to encourage you to go ahead and watch it again listen closely how many times we explained who yeshua is as god why the father the almighty god calls yeshua his son god and then yeshua is given the position of the priesthood to not only atone for our sins to his priesthood, but then has the authority to resurrect us to eternal life. So we have the deposit of what's to come later, which is the fullness of getting that new spiritual body later. That's the moment of eternal final salvation. Right now we believe in faith that he will resurrect us from the dead and we'll have that salvation as our souls are resurrected from Sheol. So go, go rewind the video and, and uh, listen again. Um, you always learning channel. I mean, you know, tonight was kind of a, a show on that. But hey, we also, there's another uh, gentleman out there that came on and had a, unfortunately a very similar experience um, devoted to YAH. Ja, and uh, he came on, uh, I think last year, a year and a half ago, and we we did a good three hours on breaking down the oneness doctrine. He, um, So you, it's on my channel as well, if you want to check that out. But that's why I tried to give the guest time to explain his own view on the oneness doctrine. And, I, and he tried. So, country phones asking Sean we believe new covenant new body would you yeah that's the literally one of the definitions of the new covenant is you get your new incorruptible immortal body at the resurrection that's when you actually enter into a new covenant with God because that is the covenant where you never will fail it you'll never need atonement because you'll never sin again you got a new heart new body you're complete at that point you're without sin you'll never sin again Handmaiden Raquel has been very vocal in disagreement against me tonight, but we still love you like a sister. She's asking, do you teach your followers that they're not in the new covenant? Eek. We teach that the resurrection is the beginning of the new covenant and that these are all the qualifiers that are listed out for us in Jeremiah 33 verses 31 through 34 and Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 24 through 27. If you look at those two passages and look at all the qualifiers, they're literally listed out for us. It's very simple. Um, these These are the qualifiers of the new covenant. Okay, and it happens at the resurrection. This is why Jesus has already entered the new covenant, because he's the firstborn among many brethren. He's he's the first fruits of the first resurrection. The first resurrection is the eternal life part. That's the promise of the covenant between God and man, which sometimes, like in Hebrews, is referred to as the old covenant. This is why in the very same chapter in Hebrews chapter eight, it says the guy writing the book of Hebrews in verse 13 says, but this covenant is waxing old and ready to disappear. So that means the writer in Hebrews 8, 13 is still in the old covenant because his body is waxing old and ready to disappear only at the new covenant at the resurrection. Do you step in the fullness of having a spiritual body with the fullness of God's spirit put in you, not the deposit anymore, but the fullness of that spirit put in you. That comes at the resurrection, new covenant, new body resurrected. Jeff Brennan's asking, do you know one of the thieves on the cross? The shoe was Paul's dad pulses. Uh, yeah, man, I don't have any, any text pointing me to that idea. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know anything about that, that claim. Amskun, we talk about it in a lot of our videos. He's asking, could you point to me to where you sh- where to start learning on why Yeshua was sent? Um, I've repeated it multiple times tonight, but you can also check out a ton of our our uh we did a round table with some other blessed brothers on substitutionary atonement, so you can check that out as well. We talk about it emphatically in that. I go through breaking break it down with scripture and and you know commentary. Um, but it's to become our high priest, that's how he saves us, as I explained in, to the young lady earlier. So um yeah, check, I mean. Just check out our live discussions and um, just keep watching because we talk about it emphatically all over the place. In fact, you could even type in uh, um, uh, "Jesus Yeshua, our eternal high priest in the YouTube search bar. So kingdom and context, Yeshua, our eternal high priest. And then that might obviously help you as well as breaking down the differences between the priesthood of the Levites versus the practical application of Yeshua's priesthood leading to our resurrection and eternal salvation. All right, Abraham Sewell. Looks like you're passing on a question from Blue Kashush, Kashush, Kashus, Blue Kashus. I'm sorry. Um, define the hierarchy of the Father and Son and the role of the set apart Spirit. Much love, brother. Um, I, I, I think it, maybe you already asked this because this was about ten minutes ago when you asked this. So, check out my first answer. I think to the to the person I tried to already define that pretty clearly in a in a previous answer just now. All right, Caleb is asking isn't judgment of the soul of one who dies in their sins up to Yahushua himself authority given to him by the father, or is it our place to say who will die in their sins? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier about like the, it's, it's not our place to judge people's souls and to say whether they're of the faith or not. Like that's just, it's, it's uh, arrogance. It's peak arrogance. So it's not good. It's not a good thing. We shouldn't judge another man's servant because he's not my master, right? I, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. He knows my heart. He knows the path I'm on. He's discipling me. He's the one giving me the spirit, uh, the gift of faith, as well as the different gifts of the spirit I've experienced in my life throughout time, as well as the continual comforter to help me with uh, understanding of his word as I read it, study it and teach it. So um, I don't answer to people who falsely accuse me and condemn me. Uh, Jay Laurel, thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Hopefully they're helpful to people to see. You know, sometimes people ask me, why do you do these uh, discussions? Knowing that you're going to disagree with them and knowing that they're they're never going to change their mind, I say, what's well, for the it's for the audience, man? So they can see these questions being answered in real time, because sometimes people never have an opportunity to go and talk to a pastor with these kind of questions. Sometimes they can't even think of these these questions, and they don't realize, oh man, I never thought of that question. That's a good question, and now I'm seeing them get discuss it in real time. So there's to me there's a there's there's great benefits. The the benefit far outweighs the potential moments where there's, uh, uncomfort. If I could put it like that. <laughs> oh, Nancy, may the father bless you and keep you and, and also repent. You you should repent as well, sister. <clears throat> uh, contract one. This is what we tried to talk about at the beginning, but we, we went off into a different area, but, um, the divorce decree mentioned in isaiah chapter 15 jeremiah 3 is metaphoric language about yahweh fulfilling his his uh terms of the covenant which was if they stopped doing his commandments he would eventually kick them out of the land so they're divorced from the land not from the ability to be in covenant with him so this is why after they're scattered from the land after they're divorced from the land many of them repent in faith and belief I mean it's it's all over the place uh Second Chronicles chapter 30 the whole book of Tobit uh the story of Jonah like it's um there was Jonah went to Assyria where there were Hebrews there as well as the Assyrians um and they're called to repentance and they do <laughs> um there's there's many examples of people obviously Daniel Nehemiah Ezekiel Baruch uh the the uh, um the three friends the three Hebrew friends of uh of Daniel I can't remember their names right now um, they also never, never didn't repent, right? They remained, even though they were scattered, they remained in covenant relationship with Yahweh. So this divorce teaching that's been propagated mainly by, uh, certain prominent Hebrew roots ministries, um, it kind of ignores the idea of the whole point of him using the metaphor of the divorce language and saying, I've given them a certificate of divorce was he was the context of him saying that. Was saying that he scattered them from the land because they stopped doing his commandments. That was what he promised them back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Was that if you I, you know bring you into this land, but if you stop doing my commandments and try to stay in this land, I'm going to scatter you, right? So that's where the the divorce language comes in. But it's not refraining from anyone joining in salvation. That's bad, bad teaching from several Hebrew Roots Ministries. Um, oh man video guy appreciate you brother appreciate you he wants me to look at matthew 5 thank you for the super chat it's really generous of you as well <laughs> i got you really yeah yeah you know but i i mean yeah i appreciate you thank you so much uh Ben and I have a vote. He's asking, thank you. Do you believe that Christ was sinless, pure, holy, without blemish? Yeah, this is what he says in Hebrews 4.15, that he was like us in every way, tempted like us in every way, but yet was without sin. So I do believe that he did not sin in his life while mortal and in the flesh. So this is what Hebrews 5, just a few chapters after Hebrews 4.15 that says he was sinless. Hebrews 5 says, but because even though he was a son, he was obedient and, and through suffering, he learned obedience. And so, uh, um, and then he was given the promise of becoming the the priest in the Melchizedek order. So, um, yes, he would not be our high priest of Israel in the order of Melchizedek unless he was sinless and pure and holy without blemish. This is why he's metaphorically spoken of as the Lamb of God and as our sacrifice. You know, it's, it's about the metaphor relating to understanding the law. This is why earlier in the, when you heard me ask, which I didn't get an answer, I said, Are you literally washed in his blood? Like, if you're, if we're going to ignore metaphor and take up a literal, like when you ask someone, Hey, you said you're washed in the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus sprinkles you clean. I believe in that statement. I understand what that statement means. I understand the reference from which that statement's drawing from, you know, in the same way that, uh, the, the, they've sprinkled the blood around the altar right to purify the altar from the sins of the congregation of israel right from the uncleanness their their proximity was within so i understand that concept but yeshua's literal blood is not sprinkled on you when you confess with your mouth and believe in your hearts so we have to we have to be a people that can discern between the the literal and the figurative i mean to just continue to bl- to, to blend them together it just doesn't do any good for anybody because then you're just talking about you're, you're implying that Jesus literally put his blood on you. And that's not what the scripture says. You just you have to look at uh, the metaphor f- or the source material from which that metaphor is drawn, which they're pulling from the law of God and the process of the temple and the sacrifices and the priesthood and making metaphor of those ideas to the reference of Christ and his purity, his spotless behavior, uh, his work in the temple. The, the the propitiation he provides for us because of his ministering in the tabernacle. Literally, the verse I had on screen tonight, which was ignored. Robert, just says, yeah, you just have to look at the the usage of it in the context and what's going on there. But yeah, there's difference. There's Elohe, there's Elo, and then there's Elohim, which is like a plural version. And then you have to look if it's talking about plural. What's it talking about? Where's it being used? You have to look at the context. Uh, Jody Mitchell is asking: uh, Even though baptism is not needed for salvation, is it still recommended? Since Yeshua was by, J- Yeshua was by. J-? Yeah, yeah. We we always encourage if you've made a proclamation of faith in Christ and you want to become a disciple of His. It's it's a wonderful show on the outside of that decision made on the inside in the modern tradition of baptism that we see. I personally think that the baptisms that was happening in the Jordan River with John um, Was more about getting people ready to go to the temple because the temple was standing There was an active thing that's called a mikvah in the Old Testament You see this done all throughout the Old Testament it was part of washing so that you could be clean to go to the temple and present your offerings um, But the modern tradition is more of a sign of conversion and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that modern tradition I think it's a wonderful practice and I you know I got baptized when I was like seven years old, didn't understand anything. But then when I gave my heart to Christ at 17, it was like three years later when I was around 20, maybe 21. um, I got baptized again because now it meant something to me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, guys. uh, Oh, thanks for the super chat. Carlina Scott. Thank you for the super sticker. That's amazing guys. Thank you so much. That's all the questions I'm going to take at this point. Um, Make sure. Thanks for being here. Um, Sorry for the fireworks, but, I'm tired of, I'm tired of bad actors, man. I'm tired of people claiming they have a, they have authority <laughs> where they don't have authority and, uh, being a stumbling block to other people in the faith running around claiming anathema to the, to people that disagree. And if, if he, I guess I would be more, I guess I would be more accommodating to someone that even if he possibly could even just describe his position in a coherent way, but I, I don't feel like I got that, but irregardless, even if he could describe his position and still retain the attitude of trying to be the judge over my heart and life and soul to say that I'm not of the faith because I disagree with his interpretation of things, um, I, that, you, we just can't let this continue in the body of Christ. You cannot. We cannot let this persist. This is a stumbling block to massive amounts of people. If you guys saw how many messages and letters we got, people asking us to explain the Trinity because they asked one question about it when they were younger or to a family member, and then they got demonized and then they got condemned by that person. Like this is, this is not right behavior. Pastors doing this behavior need to be called out. Believers, lay people doing this behavior need to be called out. Mis- experienced people in the faith as well as newbies, no matter what stage you are, this is not your place to call people and say, you have, you know where their soul's going and whether or not their, their faith is genuine or not, because they disagree with you on a word, which you can't even define. (laughs) My goodness. My goodness. Oh, Kalina, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the super chat, the super sticker. You gave two of them. (laughs) or maybe you were trying to, maybe you're trying to do that the first time, but you hit the wrong, but yeah, thank you so much. Guys, y'all are awesome. Uh, Thanks again. And uh, we just, we really appreciate you guys being here and uh, we will see you next time.